The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you, my pretties, are listening to a Rattledgen Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, Robert Winfrey, yay! <laughs> oh, hello everyone, and much like our review of The Irishman, this movie... This review is going to take a long time, and the movie's even longer. And I don't have a shtick to start this other than I'm here to rain on everyone's parade yet again. Oh, uh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the ants at your picnic, Robert Winfrey. Look, we I had to do this with the Batman, right? I had to be <laughs> the one guy out here going, the Emperor has no clothes on. So your sandwich after- just... Just sandwich just enough off camera so that you can fuck off after uh, me and Alexis take turns blowing this movie. Pretty much, I <laughs> I have my I have my other things established, so there's that. Uh, yeah, tonight we are talking about Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and it goes on and on, my friend. It is the movie that never ends. Some people started making it not knowing what they'd done, and now they'll be forever watching it. <laughs> Uh, uh, Try to make it rhyme, dude. Eh, it's a forced rhyme. Hey, speaking of rhyming, who else is on this podcast? Joining us, that's a terrible segue, but joining <laughs> us for this particular discussion from Honeysuckle Rose Creations, we have Alexis Haina joining us. Alexis, how are you? Here to be the sunflower to ne- your nuclear meltdown, as always. And I am here to represent Black folks nationwide. Wakanda <laughs> forever. I, the silent majority... I'm here as an ally of the black culture, of the black people. And I wish, I wish, I wanted to make sure I said this at the beginning of the podcast. Mark, I Mark, wish is, I our, had... Mark is our transracial representative for the evening. Okay, right. so that marks down how many viewers did we just lose? <laughs> and how many did we gain, though? Um, I wish, Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy podcast, that I still had from the late 90s, we are the nation of domination. <laughs> I had a nation of domination t-shirt. I uh, wore it proudly. Sure you did. I that is not a joke. That is not shtick. I proudly wore my I, nation of domination t-shirt fucking everywhere. I absolutely Just, yeah, this you. is what people want to hear when they hear about Black Panther, a bunch of middle-aged white nerds from Florida, Missouri, and Utah. Three of the whitest states of the country. Florida is not even close to the whitest state in the country. 
all. No, but about. you and I are. You and I, Alexis, you know, Missouri Alexis, and Utah, definitely. Alexis, what you don't understand being, you know, white cracker honky is that it is all about this black fist. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? You say this study more and you're going to start sounding like Jeff. <laughs> you're, you're perilously close there. No, stop it. Um, all right. So, well, before uh, we and let me go ahead and do this for us. So before yeah, no, we ahead. get into the before we get into the craft and the plot synopsis and whatnot, Mark decided that what we're going to open with is instead of a discussion about the film at the moment, we can't talk about this movie without talking about the death of Chadwick Boseman. And the untenable position it put everything related to this project in. So we're going to touch a little bit on that before we talk about the movie proper. So if you're not interested, I'm sure Mark will timestamp all of this for you in chapters for the YouTube video. Won't you, Mark? Yes. <laughs> for those of you on the audio only segment of this, he shook his head violently. That was not a violent shake. That let, was a that was a I'm disappointed in you, son. Shake. Let me and let me enhance this for the people. Let me paint a picture with my words. <laughs> so, Mark, you want can I, can I do this? I mean, you can do a lot of things. All right. I'm surprised on. you haven't started doing this. What I, I, do it. I do enjoy the silent hand gestures bit of these podcasts these days. It really is no. one of our more popular. This is what you should do on TikTok is just the, the silence of us. <laughs> oh, I'm going to amass a bunch of these. So there's going to be a super one day. I'm going to do a super cut when I have time. I'm doing a super cut of all the Kevin Carr bits. And then I'm going to do a super cut of all of our silent hand gesture bits. Yeah, that'll right. happen five days after the apocalypse. More or less. All right, so Mark, you wanted to pose the questions and whatnot. So, which ones you wanted to start with, and how? We, and we're going to kick this thing around for a little bit before I start kicking the film proper. Sure. Um, I think we cannot discuss the movie without having a debate, a discussion, a friendly conversation—not that kind of conversation, you perverts—about whether or not they should have recasted Chad, Chadwick Boseman after he passed away, or. Move, do what they did, which was move forward with a new actor and a new character taking on the mantle of Black Panther. Um, let me kick this off and say that it is not as if, I don't I don't have a dog in this hunt, um, and I'm kind of of two minds on it. So here's and, and we're sort of, sort of processing this out loud at this point, but it's not like they hadn't casted other characters before. They cast, they recast the Hulk um, from Edward Norton to uh, Mark Ruffalo. They yeah, recast, but nobody saw the Incredible Hulk. They recast That's one of my favorite uh, Marvel movies, dude. I own it on DVD. They recast uh, Rhodey from what's his nuts? Um, I can't remember the actor. Terrence Howard. And, Terrence Howard from Hustle and Flow, one of my favorite movies, uh, to Don Cheadle. They've currently recasted. Um, Thunderbolt Ross is now being Harrison played by Harrison Ford, Ford after William Hurt passed. Right. So, I mean, and I think there are some minor ones where it was played by, I mean, they've recasted the, the role of Cassie Lang three times now. Um, this, this is not an undone thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think anyone would have gotten offended had they found an appropriate 
African-American actor to take on this mantle. He would have had enormous shoes to fill, but there were plenty of actors out there that I think would have had the charisma, swagger, and um, gravitas to take over for Chadwick Boseman. Marvel's argument that there was no replacing Chadwick Boseman, he was the Black Panther, I think they were bending themselves into a pretzel to accommodate his legacy, his family. I think they were trying to not offend anyone, but I'm not entirely sure they would have. I, I really feel like they went above and beyond being oversensitive in not recasting the role, which is going to lead to the second half of this discussion. Then if, if you don't recast, then what character do you elevate into that position? But we're not there yet. So Alexis, I am of the mind they should have just recasted it. Um, I, ha I have thoughts about if they're not going to, what they should have done. But I would have been, I would have been perfectly fine with it. What do you think? Well, Kevin Feige did go on the record saying that... Sorry. I'm sorry. I spilled something on my keyboard and I was trying to wipe it off. And I actually, and for some odd reason, it hit the fucking thing. I apologize. Start again. You, I was going to say, that's a great way. It's like you asked for my opinion, and then all of a sudden it's like, quick, find a way to mute her. Thanks a lot, man. I, or were you just setting I, up for David's intro? <laughs> As David talk. Wright has joined us. <laughs> I never talk over Alexis. He doesn't. He's really good about it. Oh, that. actually, Mark, uh, now that you mention it. <laughs> a little too slow to make it work, but... Okay, so Take two. okay, so Kevin Feige did say that one of the reasons that they didn't want to recast Black Panther was it would have had to have happened way too soon after Bozeman's death. If they were going to recast him, they had to do it like less than a month after the news broke because they needed to get that film going. Now, I know there's an argument. Could they have pushed Wakanda Forever to phase five? I don't know. I know that Marvel is very... Well, for the most part, very picky about the order they release their movies in because they're trying to set up uh, the new multiverse saga and they really want to make that work. And I get that. But at the same time, I know that Bozeman's family actually came out and said they would have been fine if the mm -hmm. character had been recast. They said flat out Chadwick would not have been so narcissistic to think mm -hmm. that he made that role himself and he would be honored to see someone else carry on the role and i'm kind of of the same mind i know that this was a position especially since again they had to get that film going uh, very soon after he died i understand they were in a time crunch and there wasn't a lot of time to sit back and debate about this kind of thing but if you're going to ask me personally what i would have preferred i would have preferred to have the cat the role recast chadwick boseman was an amazing actor and what he did in civil war and black panther and infinity war and endgame he was amazing and he breathed so much life into that but there are so so many black actors out there who i think really could have done just as great of a job if they had been given the chance you know, I think, I, I think the point you're making about um, they would have had to have delayed principal photography uh, while a new actor prepares for that role. I think it's a legitimate one um, by the same token. Do you know how many times they push these movies back? 
Do you know how many times this one this one alone has had its movie release? Now, granted, some of that is because of the, the unnamed, plague. yeah, yeah, the unnamed uh, virus of unknown origin. That's why but, I call it the plague. <laughs> yeah, the plague. But some of it was also Doctor Strange needed um, reshoots, reshoots, yeah. and so everything got pushed back again. And so uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. They might not have known that at the time. I mean, I, I don't. Remember. I got to look and see when this thing went into production. But if it was before, if it was before COVID, um, and then all of these dominoes started to fall, it is entirely possible. Like we cannot push this thing back. But I honestly think. I think those are just excuses. I think if they if if there was an equal minds an equal or greater mindset of no 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 we should recast this somehow they'd have overlooked that it it would have been okay. Um, since David just joined us, let's let him jump in here. We're debating the merits of whether or not they should have recast Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. Yay or nay, David? I'm going to lean towards yay. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, yeah, they should have just because the movie is kind of a bit of a mess because of that. Do you want to extrapolate on that, or are you you good? Well, I'm not sure how much have we been talking already. Like, I I don't really want to repeat stuff that has already been said. But it was yeah. just Mark and me. Mark was the only one who also <clears throat> went beforehand, so you've heard my argument. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I think just like the movie is trying to serve two masters. It's trying to deal with the, the Chadwick Boseman hole in it and also do all the Namor stuff. And uh, whilst um, I think and, they do... Hang on, there's a third master who was trying to elevate new characters that had no business being elevated. But that's... Uh, yeah, I'm, I, save, I kinda, I'm I, saving I, that for a later discussion. Yeah, yeah, I will I will tie that into the whole filling the Chadwick Boseman hole right. uh, aspect of it. And whilst I think they do a good job of sort of, you know making it a, a you know, memorializing Chadwick Boseman mm -hmm. and T'Challa, which I think are the strongest aspects of the film. But uh, yeah, like the whole trying to lift up side characters that were not main characters. And it, it just, it kind of, it didn't work. Yeah. It wasn't the worst thing, but it, it didn't work. All right, Robert, back clean up here. And this also isn't the first time they've had to recast for the MCU. We did I, go over did. that. Yeah, yeah, that I did. Say. Okay, yeah, then uh, nothing more to say there. Yeah, although, again, I think aside from Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt, this is the first time they've had to recast due to death. Other times it was recasting due to creative differences or scheduling conflicts. Yeah, but I think most people would understand cancer. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what, what do yeah. you expect us to do, guys? Like, <laughs> I can't, sorry, I can't take your role. I'm dying of cancer. I would rather than do. I would rather recasting than CG Chadwick Boseman moving forward. <laughs> okay, can we get a unanimous vote here that if they had said they were going to CGI Boseman in for cameos, we all would have said that is a stupid idea. It, you really, I mean, that would have been sense to his to his memory. Also, they haven't really made that. I mean, I'm just thinking about like Rogue One in fucking Carrie Fisher, where you know it looks like they they animated well, them for. Uh, just wait for. Just wait for Indy Five. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Robert. Let's let's move this forward, and then let's get to the second part of it. Um, I don't care. Like my my gripe about what how they handled it is more how it affected the end product rather than I care and what they should have done. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, again, would simply recasting T'Challa have made for a better movie? Probably because we wouldn't have had the slightly patchwork affair we've got here. Mm hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, 
killing a character like that is not the worst thing to do in the world for your stories. Mm -hmm. You've just got to be able to handle it properly. And there's stuff here that they handle okay, and there's stuff that they don't. Um, I'm curious, before we move on to the next point, uh, you mentioned we could recast it. I, just kind of kicking it around. Who would your... Who, who off the top of your head, who would you have gone with? A couple of options. Um, before they made the announcement, I suggested, I believe his name was um, John David or Josh David uh, Washington. He was the lead in Tenet. Uh, John David Washington. Yeah. John, thank um, you. He's Denzel's kid. I actually think he would have been perfect. I, I honestly, like if they had to pick a different actor, I, I don't know if there's, okay. I think you nailed it on that one. Okay. David, do you have fair. any ideas? Uh, not really off the top of my head. I like just mm -hmm. yeah, put out a casting call or maybe go yep. down the list of the first round of auditions for that Chadwick one and like who was our number two. The only other one I can think of is the guy that played um uh he was in Watchmen, uh Alexis, uh Candyman. What uh Oh, uh oh I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce his name. Yeah, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen the Jr. That, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I think he. I think he's also a um, a big, strong lead actor that could have carried the movie if they needed to. I mean, I don't know if he necessarily looks and feels the part body wise, but I mean, I I probably would have bought him. And not that he doesn't have size. He's got that than as new Morpheus, <laughs> or um, knock off Clubber Lang in Creed Three. Oh, is he in that's uh, the guy who's going to play. Um, oh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Sorry, confusing. That's confused. Jonathan Majors. That's Majors. Yeah, sorry. Confused because. Why did I think that was the same guy? I, I have know. no idea. All right. So what? Because I was thinking about Kang. Because that. Mm -hmm. a loose, I had a point that was loosely going to be tied into that later. So that's why. Because he plays Kang. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. My mistake. Uh, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Uh, I think that would have worked just fine. So, okay. Um, anything else I had on this? Again, like, I, I don't really care what they do with this. You know, this. So, eh, again, it's a big eh for me as far as what they were going to do. Um, I think part of it was, like you mentioned, you know, the schedule with which they're operating. And that's, I think, the biggest problem here. Mm-hmm. It's my biggest problem with the craft of this thing. You know what this movie really needed was another like four months of rewrites. Yeah. To fix well, it. But so, they weren't going to let that happen. They had two choices. Once they decided they weren't going to recast, they were just going to elevate a new character. There was two ways they could have done this. One was the way that they chose, which is pick an existing character and elevate them into the Black Panther role. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But before we do, the other option they had was to just create a new character. You know, it's the it's Pat's wrestling argument. You know, instead of making Namor Mexican, why not just create a new character and make that character Mexican? Why and not be complaining? Why didn't you use Namor? <laughs> um, well, hey, because Namor we'll, we'll, is a bipolar psychopath, and we don't need him leading. <laughs> we'll get there. My point being, there was they could have been written a entirely new character, and there could have been a plot about you know, bringing that character into the Black Panther mantle. Um, there's all kinds of things they could have done to get to that point. Instead, they were like, okay, let's look at the existing characters here. Let's not create a new one. And we're going to elevate that character. Um, and I do want to kick that around. I mean, I mean, it slightly digs into the craft a bit, but I, I think that's okay. You, your, your, your choices were essentially three because you were going to give it to Angela Bassett. She's 100. 
Um, I mean, she's amazing in this, and she carries the whole film. But as long as she's on to, screen, yeah. As long as she's on screen, yeah. Uh, but essentially, you had three characters. You had the character who is the lead of the Dormage, whose name escapes Akoye. me. Akoye. Akoye. You have which, the which was the which was the correct choice for the record. Uh, you had Letitia Wright's Shuri, who is his sister, and there's an argument to be made narratively that she made the most sense, but character-wise... She was also the one who did become Black Panther for a while in the comics. But I think they were doing that based on making the movie, making the comics more like the movies and not because anyone any wanted it or it made any kind of logical sense. Letitia Wright is approximately 20 pounds and three feet tall. Very skinny. I mean, good on her, but yeah, like, like the, her, her her fight scenes when she was in the suit, and like, I am not buying this. Yeah, yeah a strong wind, say, and she's in the fucking ocean. Yeah, um, sorry, I. She okay. We'll get to this later, but yeah, yeah the when she we have the scene of her uh, fighting on the side of the barge mm -hmm. is just looking. It's like I'm pretty sure an actual panther would be bigger <laughs> than her. And then you have Nupita Luongo who at least has the credits of being in the 355, and I think she might have done some other action stuff. Um, she had a bit of an action role in the first Black Panther as the spy. Mm -hmm. She might have, narratively, I don't know if she makes a tremendous amount of sense. She probably makes the least sense out of the three. But in terms of um, size, acumen, and you know, physical portrayal in the movie in terms of like fighting and whatnot and what her job was, she probably made the most sense uh, outside of the door, outside of Okoye. Um, so we'll go around the horn again. I that's kind of where I stand on this. I think I think it was a lot to ask of your audience in the year of our Lord 2022 to buy Shuri, you know, the the tech geek, the uh, the Q of the Black Panther universe um, to be the big front forward hero of this picture. And this isn't about, I, I just named two other women. This isn't about it being a woman character. There were two other physical specimens that they could have made Black Panther. They went with this girl. So I, I, and I, and while narratively, I can kind of get behind it because, you know, she's still the princess. There's a lineage thing here. There's, there's, as Dave and I talked about with Downton Abbey, there's the monarchy uh, aspect. You know, there's, her filling, you know, there, there, there's something to be said of the narrative of she's stepping into her brother's shoes that she didn't, that were too big and not something she wanted to wear in the first place. That goes back to the first movie. So I can kind of buy some of what they were trying to do here. But on the other hand, Letitia Wright, God bless her, she is always going to be a, a side character. That woman is not a leading lady. I, that's not, there's nothing against her race, that's nothing against her gender. There are plenty of leading women out there. There are plenty of black leading women out there. She ain't one of them. Not not in this universe, at least. Maybe in some indie picture somewhere, you know, some like Fox Searchlight or some or Neon or A24 or some shit, but not in your $200 million event picture. This was way too much meat for her to chew. But that's just my opinion. Alexis, um, of the three, uh, do you think they made the right decision or they should have gone to the other characters or one I haven't even named yet? A friend of mine actually had a really good suggestion. We were talking about the movie before I went to see it. And because, yeah, we knew that the new Black Panther was female. Mm -hmm. you know, it, was it was obvious from some of the trailer shots and the action figure releases, but they weren't revealing who it was. And my friend actually said, what if it's all three? 
Mm-hmm. And I thought there's a clever mm-hmm. idea. What if the new Black Panther is wearing an armor that hides like their exact body build? Because all three of those actresses have very differently built bodies. Right. And it's kind of a guessing game, you know, maybe not even the Wakandans know who it is. And then when you have a fight, it's like, you know, I, I know we've all seen movies where they do the idea of it's like you have one you have multiple people playing one person to confuse the enemy it's like they're over there no they're over there the three amigos in there just like in the movie yeah exactly high five dave high five that was a pretty good trick (laughs) (laughs) so i thought that was actually going to be a clever idea and i was really hoping that that would work um and yeah again i give full credit to uh leticia wright for carrying this uh for carrying this film the way she did she signed on to be a supporting character and she could not have foreseen what marvel was going to ask her to step into for this and the fight scenes aside we'll again we'll get to those later she was really incredible in this the scenes of her dealing with her brother's loss fighting with her mother fighting you know just to figure things out she was amazing you know but i agree with mark i don't think you can be an amazing actor but not have the charisma to carry a movie entirely and as good as she was i don't think that she just embraced i don't think she embraced the scenes and the screen the way we, some other actors would. I was going to say, we for years were clamoring for Scarlett Johansson to lead her own movie. The one we got was, you know, was Ballsack. But, you know, we, we at least... We, not her fault. We, not her fault. It's not Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson's led many a picture, many of which have failed, but some of which were successful. Um, and so it's not like, you know, so some women got it. Scarlett Johansson's got it for the most part. Letitia Wright, you know, that ain't that ain't the one. Um, Derpy, Longo's led a couple of movies. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a really great uh, zombie movie that she's mm-hmm. the lead in, and she does great in that. I'd have been fine with Napita Luongo. That's what I'm saying. Like anyone that's like, oh, it's you know the four, four, you know, three white people and Mark, um, you know, all all complaining about uh, about about Sherry. It's like no, I would have preferred Napita Luongo was the issue here. Sherry's so, a uh, terrible character. Uh, Derpy, who's uh, one of our fans here, I think he may have left already, but he put up some comments here. I just wanted to get to him real quick before I shoot over to David. Honestly, it was cringe, but at times for what it was, I thoroughly was, I was thoroughly entertained. You know, me too. Um, and the situation at hand, I don't think they could have done it better. Well, that's certainly what we're discussing. Dave, um, what are your thoughts on, you know, if they were going to elevate a new character, which one should they have? And did they do the right one? I'm probably for the most part in line with you guys. Like I think uh, Letitia Wright, like she did a good job with all the dramatic stuff. She did a good job with all the comedic stuff. Like basically everything that she did, other than be the Black Panther, I thought was <laughs> was pretty was was pretty good. Like like she she's. She, can I, I tell you? Yeah. Can I tell you my son's criticism of the movie? He like, he okay. couldn't wait to tell me. Like we go to the movies now, and mm-hmm. he's just like, "Let me do my own damn you Hollywood." And I'm like, "All right, Jonas, what is your what is your expert criticism, my eight year old son?" He goes. Why did we have to sit through a three-hour Black Panther movie with only five minutes of Black Panther in it? That's <laughs> actually a really good point. You're not wrong. Yeah. Well, well I, 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 you notice how Wakanda Forever is written in the big, the big text, and Black Panther is in the small text. Mini mini text. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Yeah, they clearly tried to bury the lead. Bear in mind, forever again, the length of the movie. 
Derpy yes. weighing in that my son's a genius. He says that's a good point. My, <laughs> yeah. my, my son's got that IQ, man. All right, go ahead. Dan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, I think acting wise, like, as near as I can tell, she's 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 a good actress. Uh, but yeah, I think it was just the the the, the writing and the yeah the choice of her. She just doesn't quite have the physicality to pull off that sort of character, nor the sort of like the Black Panther is the protector. Like this is their war, their lead warrior mm-hmm. that they send out when you know when they when Wakanda means business, and uh, and yeah, I just don't see Shuri filling those shoes. Like she again, like you say, she's Q Branch, she's Q Branch, and she's mourning the loss of her brother and dealing with yeah. that sort of changes. And I even sort of found it interesting, like at the end where it seems like it's going to be uh, Umbaku who becomes the next king of Wakanda because he. You know, issues the challenge at the I end. I thought about that. I, I thought it's about like these. so. So, so your Black Panther is separate now from the monarchy. Like, there's two separate mm-hmm. lines. Well, going here. don't so, forget T'Challa was the Black Panther while T'Chaka was still alive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just pointing out that they do, they they don't have this doesn't have to be like it's straight. It's it's just as one family going straight down. They're always the monarchy. They're always the Black Panther. Apparently, there's they they have done like you can have someone else being the monarchy yeah. and someone else being the black panther so why not make it yeah sure. um i'm forgetting characters names here but yeah why not make it Mbaku. one of the other yeah well not Umbaku, but uh he's a uh, dodge minar no uh, do, do, yeah. Do, yeah okay i started speaking yeah 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 if yeah like one of those that would have made great sense like after okoye gets dishonored and kicked out of the mm-hmm. the dodge dora milaje the dora milaje i'll get it eventually dora milaje you know, maybe instead of her being the what was it, winged angel or whatever the heck they called it, midnight angel, midnight angel, that was it. Yeah, yeah, maybe she could be the Black Sorry. Panther instead. I I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm like psionically connected to Robert, and I just felt a part of his soul die. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt me. <laughs> um, I want to real quick uh, address the the comment on screen, Gavin, um, who is part of a contingent of friends I have who hate the Marvel universe and everyone in it. As saying, because MCU Shark has been jumped and now it's mindless and soulless content being cranked out by Disney overlords. Yeah, people not, are not thrilled. I mean, he's not entirely wrong. Again, like, what's the best way to fix this movie? You you delay it, you give them another, like, four to six months to rewrite the script. Mm-hmm. So we're not slapdashing together two vastly different, tonally different experiences. Well, especially and- since Coogler admitted he had the script finished before... Bozeman died. Yeah, I was going to so say he had to you go know, through and completely rewrite this. I guarantee you, when Ch- when they found out that Chadwick Bozeman had passed away from cancer, God rest his soul, that Ryan Coogler was just in a corner, flaying himself, going, "Why did we kill Killmonger? It would have been perfect because that would have been the perfect replacement." Mm-hmm. Um, so narratively speaking, like like kind of a lesson and kind of a lesson with Marvel villains. Maybe stop killing all your villains in case you need them again. Not that this was like a, a common experience, but yeah. you just you never know when you're going to want to bring one of these characters back, you know, and you can't do all dream sequences and robots and shit. David, yeah. I don't know if you were finished your point or not. Uh, just another point as Rose, like, I think they should just like stick with like doing the, you know, the Marvel logo. Where it was all Chadwick Boseman. Like that was beautiful. That oh, was it touching. was. I was going to the craft review to yeah, bring that up, but that was, yeah. That, and that and started, then that started yeah. things off with me with yeah. Brian. And, and, and then at the end of the film, say, you know, dedicated to Chadwick Boseman in mm-hmm. loving memory, you know, some, you know, some appropriate to the franchise. Mm-hmm statement of solidarity and remembrance and then just use your original script and recast like i think yeah like i don't think anyone would have thought that you didn't do enough to 
you know, to, to memorialize Chadwick Boseman. I mean, he got the Stan Lee tri- uh, treatment. I was going to say, I did not cry, but I got teary-eyed at two parts. The mm-hmm. opening logo with Boseman, because I knew they were going to do it. It's like, I'm not ready for this. And the end scene with Shuri um, thinking, you know, finally grieving. And we get the very the silent cut scenes mm-hmm. of him. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. okay, fine. Tug at the heartstrings. So before I shoot over to you, Robert, uh, Gavin weighing in again saying, shame on them for the emotional decision to not recast. They did that to themselves. That's what we've been talking about for the last yep. half an hour. All right, back clean up for me, and then let's get into the plot synopsis. You said it should have been Akoya, yeah? Yeah. Uh, look, you've got a character that's established as a physical presence. You've got an actress who can carry that off. Denai Guerrera has enough screen presence to do that, especially if you're going to start separating the role of you know, the Black Panther from the monarchy, which, again, whatever. like that, mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine. She's not having to lead the people in that respect. She doesn't need to be the big charismatic leader. She just needs to be a good action star for the screen, and she is. And right. we've seen her do that plenty of times. It made sense. Again, it makes sense narratively. She's in a position of military authority. Like, there's a it really should, I, I tend to think it should have been her. You know, you've got uh, Nokia who's out. It's N- Nokia. Nokia is a phone. I know what You're I So thought. close. Well, look, I mean, look, the fact that the ending bit is Nokia and Sony on the beach together, just lamenting. <laughs> <me> just... <laughs> Hang on. I don't know what you're trying to hit say there. That. You're crazy. I deserve it. Go ahead and hit. All right, that'll do. <laughs> you were expecting the trombone, weren't you? Oh, for a little fuck's bit. Sake. So Loki, yes. Don't you dare tempt him. <laughs> I don't need Mark. I can do it myself. Thank you. <laughs> really, we got this <laughs> old Loki guy right there. That yeah. is that is his voice. Uh, yeah. Here, hang on, David. Let me let me let me let me hook you up. Oh. So Loki, thank you. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm yeah, glad yeah. I have a dispensable role on this podcast, Mark. That's why you're here, buddy. Yeah, again, I would have gone with Akoye. I think that's the I think that's the one that we could have made the most hay out of. Derpy, Derpy, and I think Sherry. I think Sherry deserved it because the losses motivate her. I you can do the losses motivating her, but motivate her to then be queen when Angela Bassett bites the dust. You don't. She didn't need. I think the, that it's not even what I thought of, but I think now that you guys are kicking it around, I think that's a good one where I think what you have are three women connected to uh, T'Challa who are out of sorts. And by the end of the movie, it, you know, it takes these three women, to, you know, to re- to replace Angela Bassett and Chadwick Boseman moving forward. And they each have a role to play. One is your queen. One is your protector. One is Lupino Luongo. Uh, who was in that movie from the studio that brought you the uh, to the Jason Bourne movies? Remember that, Robert? That's still one of my favorite TikToks that we did. By the way, is is you and me? Go, is you and me trying to figure out the marketing for the three five five? And it's like from the studio that brought you Jason Bourne. Wow, you have nothing else to say about that movie. Uh, poor Jessica Chastain firing blanks, <clears throat> and you can see her mouthing "bang." I don't know why they left <laughs> the editing. Yes, it's an actual three... scene. <laughs> yes, but enough about the three five five. You and I have given that more thought than anyone related to it before or since. You may, me and you be, may have been the only people that saw it besides my daughter. You're not wrong. <laughs> we have box office returns to prove it. Yeah, again, I would have gone with the query. I, I think that's the right idea. You know, you have these two people who are now gone. So mm-hmm. 
you split up the roles. You get Shuri into a leadership position, which you know, her going forward as kind of this leader trying to find her footing as queen makes more sense than her trying to be the protector, my opinion. Right. You get see, the... I disagree. I don't think see Shuri is queen. And again, I think that comes down to Letitia Wright's ability to, you know, the way she works with the character. Uh, oh, again, like, I don't hang on, hang on. Somebody mentioned Mbaku being the Black Panther. I guarantee. See, here's the, the other. I, I was going with, with him being king, have, but you. Well, either way, look. If you, <laughs> it's in the year of our Lord 2022. You give that man any kind of anything but a supportive role, and Twitter sets the Marvel Studio on fire. I mean. I, I think I think the normies probably accept it, but you know the vocal Twitter crowd. There's no fucking way it had to have been a woman. It just had to have some woman, any woman. It could have been Alexis for all for all we care. Oh yeah, sure, because I would <laughs> so fit in in Wakanda. I Wakanda do like forever. what they did with Umbaku with expanding his role, becoming an advisor mm -hmm. to Shuri. Winston yeah. Duke is a great actor. I like how much they've developed him since the first Black Panther movie. Mm -hmm. You know, even that little scene in Infinity War when he shows up to fight with the Wakandans, and you get that mm -hmm. moment of him saying, "You know, you know, Chadwick or T'Challa thanks him." He goes, "You're welcome, brother." It's like. Again, he really developed that character, and I like where they brought him with that. But yeah, certainly better than what the comic book version is, which is literally man ape. Hey, well, um, let's face it, there's no way in hell they're ever going to call. <laughs> I him really wish they had tried though. Yeah. Like, what's with the wampa? It's fucking man ape. Shut up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did like I, I did like radical leadership style of considering the long term consequences of the, my decisions <laughs> for people other than myself. They're they're very. I mean, I don't know. Everyone was thinking it, but no one wants to say it out loud. It's like, why is the man the only one thinking through this problem? What the fuck? What is this? this yeah. What so, is this movie when the man's the logical one? Yeah, it's like on the it, one hand, I'm very angry. On the other, if I do this, there'll be a massive war that will result in millions upon millions of my people dying and possibly everyone on the surface of the planet. Maybe I should calm down. You know, in on, the third, in on the third of, hand, I want more purple carrots. In defense of the, uh, in defense of this movie, at least they wrote it where Shuri wasn't a complete fucking moron and actually listened to him. You know, when he was giving her sage advice, Robert, we are like all over the point you were trying to make. So go ahead and finish up and then jump into the plot. Uh, you're good. I, I don't have much of a point beyond that. Um, again, I my hunch would have been like, I think the reason I would have been OK with Shuri assuming the role of queen is because she wouldn't be good at it. And I'd like to see how they develop <laughs> that. Did mm -hmm. everyone else freeze or was it just me? Just you. OK. All right. Give me that hot, hot plot synopsis you've. Plot synopsis guy. Hey, do me a favor though. Like, just speed through this. Like, don't don't do into one of your lovely Winfrey waxing philosophy because David's right there, and I don't want him to bully you. You, David. You. Yeah. <laughs> Down there, yeah. Mark. Leave him. Mark. Leave him alone. I gotta like that way. Leave him alone, okay? And you, 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 lady, shut your fucking mouth and let him finish. Go ahead, Robert. I was gonna say it's like I'm the one that usually bullies him when he go starts waxing poetic in the plot synopsis. You talk over him and like like, and like let me tell you what happens in this movie, and they're just like, let me tell you what I think. No, Alexis, wait for him to finish. Let him finish, Alexis. Let him get it all out of himself, and then it's your turn. He has to get oh, it all okay. out, all over. Never mind. Go ahead, Robert. I was gonna say you. you, like, you <laughs> You took that just far enough that I was okay letting you have had the last word on that. I was about to do something very, something very different. All right, Robert, go ahead and oh. hit and uh, get it. Just cover us all in your plot synopsis. Well, there's a lot of plot to go around for this one. Yep, so a much lot of, plot. A lot of airtime, very little plot. 
we open with the death of T'Challa from some unspecified illness. And Shuri desperately trying to work up a cure, utilizing 3D printing and genetic material. And the companionship of Wakandan Jarvis. Uh, this doesn't work, obviously. T'Challa dies. They bury him. It's very sad. We flash forward one year. Everyone's still very sad. Uh, Wakanda's not in the best standing with the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world's like, hey, you wanted to come forward. You wanted to be part of the international community. Promises were made by you in good faith. And now you've done nothing. And Angela Bassett's like, no, we're Wakanda. We do what we want. And by the way, stop trying to steal stuff. And she gets mad at the French. I mean, they're the French, so no one cares, but she gets mad at them. And she says, you know, you want to look for vibranium elsewhere on the planet. We wish you good luck. <laughs> and then she bangs her staff on the ground, transforms into a crow, and flies away. <laughs> uh, we cut over to a successful look for vibranium. They have found some. The, the Americans have found vibranium in the Atlantic Ocean. And they're then attacked by the Navi. No, wait, the Smurfs. No, wait, <laughs> but uh, the other blue people. The, uh, the the Inhumans. No, wait, the other secret organization the, that lives somewhere within this universe. You're missing the Kree now. Uh, with a Kree, the, the Kree were blue. blue. Yeah, yes, the, Kree the Kree were very blue. The Kree were blue, yeah. da ba dee da ba die. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, and the Blue Man Group. There we go. Yeah, the Blue Man Group. They came over from Vegas. <laughs> like, no, you shall not collect vibranium. Blue people come out of the water. They kill a bunch of people and steal the only, Mark, the only vibranium detecting machine in the entire world. This is it. The only one that had been commandeered by the United States government, then not gone over, not redeployed, not reexamined, not pulled apart and, re and reexamined the schematics. Yeah, they don't even also, have drawings. And never mind that they're also supposed to be over this thing, directly over in point of fact. Some, and they never called in their position. So now the the people, the the blue Smurf, the water Smurfs, the freaking wouldn't water Smurfs be Snorks? Sure, the Snorks. Great. Please continue to call them Snorks for the rest of the review. Will do. Thank so you. the Snorks and their feathered serpent god Namor. <laughs> The snorks are multicolored. They're not blue. You're, you're multicolored. Let him continue. Please, <laughs> please continue to, to do your plot synopsis all over Alexis and the rest of us. Thank you. So <laughs> now the Americans, after finding out that their people have been murdered violently, decide that this is probably the Wakandans because they're like, no, all the vibranium is ours. And the Wakandans find out, wait, they've got a thing that lets them know where and how and what the vibranium is. We can't let them have this. This is a dangerous thing. And then Namor shows up in Wakanda, rising from the water. And he confronts the heads of state who are alone on a <laughs> riverbank with elephants scant feet away. And he says to them, find me this engineer, this scientist, who has discovered the ability to track vibranium, and I will kill them. And you and I, and there will be peace between Wakanda and my people because you, nothing's worse than an angry snork. <laughs> and he, he leaves them this kind of general offering, and then Namor, who they you can tell if this had been like five years earlier and they made this movie, they would have cast Antonio Banderas and been happy about it. 
I wish even better, Tony Danza. <laughs> what? One of those men is Spanish. <laughs> the, the other's the Italian name. American. I think Namor would have been great uh being paid by Tony Danza. And Pat would agree with me. Should have been Joe Pesci. Let's just be upfront about this. It's true. So Okoye is able to Okoye and uh Shuri then track down their leak, the world's worst CIA agent. And I mean <laughs> that. Poor Bilbo Baggins over here futzing around, <laughs> committing treason left, right, and center, giving away state secrets, tells them, yeah, there's a student at Cambridge. Her name is Riri Williams. Here's her P.O. box number, her address, her social security number, and the low jack we put on her. Now, please leave her alone. This is very important to the United States government, to which I've sworn an oath. It's my job. And they, yeah, sure, we'll take that under advisement. They go try to abduct Riri Williams. They're then pursued by the FBI for the purposes of a car chase. Uh, but because they have to go over water, and there's a, there's a river, Mark. There's a bridge over a river, and then night boat shows up because there's always an inlet. <laughs> I obscure Simpsons reference for the evening. Uh, the Atlanteans, sorry, they're not Atlanteans. We can't actually say Atlantis here. Um, the the Snorks, which they never actually give them a name. I, I just realized that there's no name for this people. So the Snorks show up. They kidnap uh, Shuri and Riri. They throw Okoye into the water and then leave her alive for some reason. Uh, they screw off to some underwater caverns on the shore of the Yucatan Peninsula near their home of Telocon, which is way underwater. Uh, poor Bilbo Baggins finds a ring of beads and he puts it on. He goes invisible, but he's still pursued by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the great <laughs> dragon. It's my one editorial for this, by the way. I yelled the about one. them trying to make Amanda Waller a thing. Stop trying to make Madam Hydra a thing. Stop it. Okay. Stop it. No one cares. So there's supposed to be a bit of tension between the United States and Wakanda over this, but no one cares. And it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Okoye returns and pleads her case. Don't you see? I was doing my best. And Angela Bassett is having none of this and <laughs> fires her unceremoniously. Meanwhile, Back in the underground water caverns, Riri Williams exists, and Shuri is there to be exposition dumped on by Namor, who, again, proceeds with the dumping of exposition. So long. Uh, they're then rescued by uh, Nakia, who has been kind of reached out to by the queen, like, please find my daughter. Okay, fine. I'll Just when I think they're out, they pull me back in. I'll go do this one thing for you. She finds Shuri and Riri and rescues them and kills a couple of the Snorks along the way. And now the Snork people must swear vengeance on the Wakandans for blood has been spilled. Uh, now really disrupts their pre-existing plan of killing all life on the surface. Yeah, that escalated quickly. <laughs> Suddenly it makes all the sense in the world why they didn't show up to try and stop Ultron. I mean, the more kind of went, you know what? The giant killer robot's on the right path here. I think we'll just let this one slide. Uh, they, so the Snorks attack the Wakandans. There's a bit of a fight. Water is splashed around. 
the queen drowns trying to save Riri Williams because one of these people has an upcoming series on Disney Plus and the other one doesn't. Not yet, at least. It's in the works. It'll be there. <laughs> the young Angela Bassett series. <laughs> uh, so the queen dies, and after wreaking havoc, Namor says, tell you what, I'll give you a week to think it over, because if I actually capitalize on my strategic advantage, the movie can't happen. He flies off. They bury the queen. Uh he gave her a, he had given Shuri a gift of a bracelet that his mother had woven for him. Oh, so many thousands of years ago when his people went into the ocean to live deliberately in harmony, <laughs> like we're all should. Wasn't it like a couple hundred years ago? Um, they, they linked it. It was, so it was just around the time of the Spanish arriving. So 1500s ish. I think okay. they said that he was at least 500 years old. That was the number they went with. Okay. So we're, we're somewhere in the like six to 700 year category. So, uh, she then is able, because this pl- this bracelet was woven with plant fibers from the plant that they found that was growing on vibranium, which is their rough equivalent of the heart-shaped herb. Using that and some of DNA from Chadwick Boseman for reasons, she's able to finally 3D print a version of the, perp- of the heart-shaped herb that actually glows, because you can 3D print DNA and it functions as organic material, I guess. Hyper-advanced civilization. Hyper-advanced civilization. Vibranium can do anything. Got it. She partakes of the heart-shaped herb and is confronted by Killmonger, who says, you know, you didn't believe in any of this crap. You're here because you want vengeance. Uh, so something I- you're going with, we're not so different, you and I. Uh, because <laughs> because <laughs> Killmonger, also says. <laughs> Killmonger needed a villain trope, and this time around, it's we're not so different. <laughs> and he sets her on the path of vengeance. And it's a dark and lonely path for five minutes. Uh, she becomes the Black Panther. She gets a suit. She rallies the Wakandans. They lure out uh, Namor into a fight. There's your big stupid CGI fight. They trap Namor in a ship and they dehydrate him because he's a fish man. And if you take the, f- the water away from the fish man, he becomes weaker. Again, big stupid fight. Shuri gets stabbed through the abdomen. Like, full-on pinned to the wall, walks off of it, and shows no ill effects. <laughs> super advanced super suit with healing technology. I'm not giving him a pass on this one. I'm just not. Like, that's just Listen, the space. nanobites repaired her spine, the yeah. organs that were impaled, the muscle, the fat, the skin, in record time. Sure. Nanobots. And, but, and magical but, flower. Vibranium nanobots and magical flower. Sure. Yep. And and people wonder why there's no tension in these things. My son doesn't. <laughs> She's <laughs> able to defeat Namor and offer a peace. He accepts the peace. There's uh, the Snorks and the Wakandans then do the happy dance despite violently murdering each other five seconds ago. Yoka, Ika, Tikopa, Yop, Jop, Tikiti, Boo, Tupa, Coke is up to you. Yub, yub, is what they say. They sing yub, yub. They sing yub, yub. By the way, there's a Star Wars fan that's going to listen to this probably on one of Alexis Fuge's podcasts, and he's going to be like, he fucked that song all. All he got was Coke is up to you. Yub, yub. I think this podcast sucks. He doesn't know yub yub. Gotta know the words. Yep. Uh, so Shuri again has now assumed the mantle of the Black Panther. Namor's okay with this because, well, the people aren't gonna like the Wakandans. 
And eventually they'll turn to us and we'll get our war anyway. So, you know, I'll play the long game with this one, sure. Um, the treachery of Martin Freeman is discovered. He is arrested and set to be executed and then rescued by Okoye in her unbearably stupid outfit. Uh, Shuri then goes to meet Nakia and burns the ceremonial funeral garments for her mother and mourns her mother and T'Challa. And then in our mid credit scene is introduced to T'Challa's son, T'Challa Jr. And everyone has a good cry. And I puke. And that's the end of the movie. All right, David. Go, David, Alexis, me, then Robert, because we're going to go, yum, 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 yum. Okay. Yeah, as, as already said, the, the production history of this film, it's a bit of a mess, and it shows. Like, again, all, all the stuff, remembering Chadwick Boseman, T'Challa, however you want to phrase it, very nice, very touching. You know, that, that all worked. I, I don't really have any issues with it on its own, uh, but it also kind of really rubs up against the Namor plot and, it, you know, it's it, it's kind of too much in which direction is this thing going in. Uh, like, I find that there it's a bit of an idiot plot. Like, there's a lot of bad decisions made at high levels you, with, the, with the excuse of my insert your relation to T'Challa here is dead. I can do whatever I want. You know, like, like we, Namor's, Plot doesn't make much sense. Like first, he's like, we don't want them finding out about us because we're afraid of the surface world. And then it's like, oh, we also have a super unstoppable army capable of destroying all, you know, civilization on the surface, and we're going to use it. It's like, well, why do you care about them knowing that you exist when you're about to kill them? So that that was a bit odd, but yeah, a lot of the times was like, we're in a really difficult, you know, geopolitical situation here that we've never had to deal before. Wakanda having to deal with a civilization of equal technological ability to them. You know, like, like we need to be very careful how we proceed here. And then she's like, screw it, kill him, get my daughter back. I don't care. <laughs> and, then, and then Shuri's plan is like, yeah, let's just go and, and, and kill him, even though they just, you know, kicked our asses with a handful of people. It was It was just kind of... Like, okay, we're making some very rash decisions here. And even Shuri's, you know, don't kill Namor at the end thing was just kind of all of a sudden just like, you know what, I've just decided not to kill you anymore. It's like, oh, okay. Um, like there wasn't really any sort of growth moment or learning or seeing things from a different perspective. It was just kind of, well, the script says I have to do this now. I was really shocked when they made her go into that trance and she said, I am all the Jedi. Yeah, like so stunning and brave. Mm -hmm. She really was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they had Angela Bassett there going like, "Sure, you show him who you are." It's like, well, who who is she? Like right now, she's pissed about her her family getting murdered. So, like, maybe that's who she. Yeah, like they say, it it didn't really work. Whereas, like, you look at uh, T'Challa try, trying to avenge T'Chaka you know, when he thinks that Bucky was the one that killed him in Civil right. War. And, you know, he has that moment at the end where he's looking at, uh, you know, Captain America and Iron Man just beating the crap out of each other. Going like, you know, vengeance is not a good thing to do. Like, it it, it, it hurts everyone. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make that same mistake. It's like, good on you, T'Challa. Positive character development. Uh, you know, yep. you, you came, you came, you, you, you sorted out your issues and grew as a character. Now, now, now we're back to just, yeah, kill him. Uh, that's so, yeah. And, and even like the bit at the end where they, they arrange the truce between them and they're announcing it. And there's like five Wakandans left on the ship surrounded by about 200, 
you know, snorks. It's like, this doesn't really seem like a victory position to me. Like, <laughs> this is this is one of those, holy crap, we just got out of it. <laughs> so There really uh, should have been one snork that should have been like, seriously, they're right fucking there. They're done. Let, let, yeah. let us kill them already. Yeah, yeah. Even just like one guy like, like seriously, boss, like we're going, we're going along with this. <laughs> we can I, 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 I realize they have a whole country back there that might make things a bit more difficult, but... Uh, this is the entire leadership of the, 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 like, all the military leadership is here. The political leadership is here. Like, we should just, really? <laughs> it's right here. Yeah, we're going to do a little more than kneecapping them by keeping on with this thing. But anyway, that that, that was going through my head. But, uh, you know, again, the script said we need peace and Namor's playing the long game. So, sure. Um, yeah, again, Namor's, Namor's, his motivations were kind of, all over the place like is he the trying to protect his people by keeping them secret is he trying to protect his people by killing everyone else like you know make up your mind sort of thing um like the i mean again this is just a bit of a robert issue is like <laughs> for a few days <laughs> for Kate two, two. not bad not bad that would be jason um, by the way yeah, oh okay well, well we'll save that for for when we do the money i guess but uh <laughs> yeah uh lost my train of thought there for a second there um yeah, yeah. So Namor's motivation. All right, now I got it back in. So... <clears throat> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we're just gonna let that hang there like a dead fish. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like the whole them moving underwater like five hundred years ago, yet finding vibranium and building a technological ability the same as Wakanda, which has had like vibranium technology for thousands of years, if I understand correctly. That kind of was a bit. You know, a bit, okay, I'm not quite buying that, but I get it. Marvel rules, so so there we go. Um, uh, the, the the Riri Williams, she was there. <laughs> like I didn't hate Riri Williams, I didn't love Riri Williams. She was just kind of there. So hopefully, hopefully they'll they'll do better when she gets her her show. I don't know. Their track record's a bit spotty. I'm gonna go ahead and cut you off, David. So Alexis sure. can get in here. She's been waiting patiently. Go ahead, Alexis. What do you like about this movie? Okay, so yeah, this movie has flaws, but I do not hold those flaws against the director or the cast. I hold the flaws at Feige's feet on this. I feel that Ryan Coogler and all of the, and everyone involved in this movie, as far as cast and crew, did what they could with the announcement from Marvel that they couldn't recast. I feel that Ryan Coogler knew that this was a difficult task, and he tried his damnedest to make it work. I feel that most of the acting in this film is really good. I mentioned Letitia Wright again, even though I do not like her as the Black Panther, I felt that she really did an amazing job having to step up and suddenly be the lead of this franchise. I was very impressed with her work. Uh, yeah, we talk about Angela Bassett. I have actually heard nothing but people saying Angela Bassett Oscar nomination. People which loved would, her that much, and I agree. She I would agree with. I don't incredible. think she deserves to win the Oscar, but she absolutely deserves a nomination. I mean, she they only nominate seventy-two women for the you know best lead actress award. Well, she can be seventy-one. Would she, would she be lead or, or supporting? I'd eh. say supporting. I don't know. I, either I mean, way, I, either way like I, for the record, I'm fine with. I I agree with that. Like she could get a nomination. This movie should not be nominated for best picture. For the record, like they're trying to buzz that. No, do no. not nominate this thing for best picture. Yeah, no. sorry. This movie, okay, the movie does have flaws, but I still enjoyed it. 
It is nowhere near as good as the first Black Panther, but let's face it, that is an insanely tall hurdle that we knew this movie was not going to get anywhere near close to jumping. I know you guys complained about what they did with Riri Williams. I wasn't against it. I, I was neutral, with, neutral for the record. but I kind of saw it with what they did with Spider-Man in Civil War. I felt that this was their way to introduce the character and show what she can do and what she can bring to the table so we have her further down the road. This is something Marvel has done with a lot of mo- with a lot of other characters is they bring them in, we get a taste of them, we get an idea of what they're going to do and then later on they become bigger parts, bigger cogs in the machine if you will. Uh, I, I did feel fine with that. Yeah, I did feel really sorry for her when she has to build her suit using an acetylene torch and a grinder where Shuri's uh, over there with a 3D printer that can print biomatter and vibranium <laughs> in 30 seconds. Like but I think I think we should get a bit better toys to to build her suit with. I mean, my only for the record, my only counter to that because I did I don't like Riri Williams. At least Spider Man had personality and got to like do things. Riri here is more like a MacGuffin than she. Is you want to complain about Riri Williams as being a you know a woke gender and race swapped Iron Man for no good reason and then to sell comics to young kids who like that sort of thing? I'll let you have that argument. I, you can't say she doesn't have a personality. Her personality was young black kid. And yeah, that's not a person. That's it, not but a person. But it is, though. She was. It's not. I know. And she's not a character. I thought she was fine. I'm sorry. I liked when they showed the lab and she, I liked, she talked about, you know, building stuff with her dad when he took apart cars. You know, I can't remember I like what, that, I, hang on one second. I can't remember what review it was something I listened to recently. And I can't remember. It was an old, one of our old, Block Talk Radio ones, or it was something that we did recently on Damn You Hollywood, where you and I were having this exact, almost this exact same argument. But I was on, but I was on the other side of it, going, you know, can't you be blacker? Is not a really good direction. You know, (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna need you to amp up the blackness. Is kind of racist. Here's the thing: there's a fine line between could you be a bit more stereotypical and can you just act like your average black person? And I think, I think Kugler got it on the line. I think with I think Riri Williams was this young black female genius, and you know she's talented, but she doesn't become out of her depth until the movie gets going, and she's just then sort of reacting, you know, Alice in Wonderland style to all of the new stuff around her. That's you want to blame you want to blame the writing for her lack of characterization blame it on the fact that all they did was have her react to shit and i think the actress does a good job of reacting to shit but that doesn't mean she doesn't Eh. have a character it it does and like this movie kind of assumes that you know something about that character before she appears on screen if you're going to assume that there's anything to her all you get on screen is painfully stereotypical I pulled myself up from the bootstraps to be a mathematical and engineering genius in MIT and then wide-eyed wonder down the rabbit hole. And then I made a better suit than Tony Stark could ever make. And I'm a third his age and black and a woman. And how dare you like Tony Stark? I missed that last part. If that yeah, was in the movie. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. When did there she was, yeah. The only time Tony Man. Stark's name ever came up was a scene where one of the CIA, FBI, I don't know, come to arrest them and you hear one oh, of the guys say is that stark tech yeah. uh, right. he says she's got an iron man suit 
Yeah, which is totally how someone would describe it. Oh, no, that's exactly what happened in this world. That's that's absolutely true. That's how they would have reacted. That's how any of us would react if we saw someone in flying suits. Like, it was just like, somebody get an actual Iron Man? That is literally what any Mm -hmm. of us would say. Yeah. No, I was, I'm sorry. I was fine with her. I Mm -hmm. liked her. I liked that they gave us a little taste of her and that we are going to get more of her further in the MCU. I like it when Marvel does this, you know, they I, like I said this is what I like is I like when they give us show us little bits of like what we're gonna do and we have them become bigger cogs in future parts. I think that they do that very well. And yeah, I'm just gonna say it. I genuinely liked what they did with Namor. Uh, we talked about this when the trailers were dropped and they showed the promos. That's you know, and I know there's a handful of people who are like, well, why didn't they just make him a new character? The fact is that they had one hell of a challenge with Namor, and that is he is not Aquaman. They could not have comparisons between Namor and Aquaman and Talokan and Atlantis. Because, yes, it is Atlantis in the comics. But Namor does not have much in the way of a standout, I would say. Atlantis and that they don't really stand out that much. It's just they're Atlanteans. And they really needed to make this character something new that was not going to get compared to that. I like the idea that this was an ancient Aztec, Incan, Mayan, Mesoamerican society. I thought that was a cool idea. I also liked how that worked because one of the reasons... I'm sorry, Robert, what? Uh, I believe the Yucatan was Mayan. Okay. In the comics, Namor's first reaction or first action with humans after he gets out of, you know, goes to the surface is with Nazis. And that's what helps develop him into, I have to protect my people no matter what. Having him go against Spanish conquistadors? And that mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've joked about several times, it's like the, our humanity is not short of barbarism and atrocities. Not at all. So having them work against Spanish conquistadors, I thought was a good idea. I like the design of them. I like the fact that they actually, uh, yeah, I know the Navi jokes are there, but I like that they turn blue when they get out of the water. I thought that was actually an interesting idea showing how their bodies change and everything when they're out of the water. Shark mouth throne for the win. Megalodon throne. That was a Megalodon. I I am corrected. Yeah. Yeah. I even not even a very big megalodon, but yeah. Still, that wasn't that wasn't bad. Oh, megalodon. you know, it has to be proportioned, it's right? Not about the throne, the, right? Also, it's not about the size, Robert. It's how you use the megalodon. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, but I like that. I. Again, I know that a lot of people have it against the whole, it's like, well, why did he try to bond with the Wakandans if, you know, I I, I think that Namor did still want Wakanda as an ally, but yeah, he is, he's always been a little on the war hungry, you know, little rampagey side, even in the comics. My biggest disappointment with this film, and it has nothing to do with the re- with recasting or not recasting of T'Challa. See, I predicted from the start that this was going to be an adaptation of the Rise of the Black Panther comic book, The Tale of the Two Kings, 
which uh, I believe Jesse and Evan just did a review on, to which I actually messaged Jesse going, why the hell didn't you ask me? You knew I read that book because I love that book. Mm-hmm. And that plot line is, yes, there's a battle between Wakanda and Atlantis, but it turns out that it's basically being spun by Latveria and Dr. Doom. And I was so, so hoping we were I just like, OK, fine. You're not going to show us Dr. Doom. Fine. Whatever. I was so hoping they were going to drop the name that Latveria. It's like maybe saying it's like, well, where else can we find or trade for or get uh, vibranium doesn't latveria have it or i don't know just something i was really hoping for that that would have been like the coolest like post-credit scene is when you have think you have like you'll master the war between wakanda and that and talokan you know was was stopped before it began it's like our plans are ruined and then you know you see the the gauntlets resting on the throne looking at the computer monitor and then you know, we don't have turns. to know. Yeah, we don't have to know who's cast in the role yet. You can do it exactly like yeah. you did with Thanos in the first Avengers. Yeah, exactly. Do, do like a Thanos thing. So it's like, holy crap! It's Doctor Doom. That yeah, would it's have like set- we can just see the the, the the armor and the hood. That's all we need to see. That I thought I was just praying for that, and I'm really disappointed we didn't get that. And instantly, every fanboy says Phase Four is the best Marvel phase ever. You know, I wish you were wrong in that, but <laughs> you're probably not, you're probably right. You're almost certainly correct about that. All right, Alexis, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in here. Go ahead. Um, I just want to touch on a few different things. Uh, Whenever we have a lot, whenever the wire, whenever we have um, all four of us, you know, I I tend not to want to repeat things that are already said. And when we let you guys go first, a lot of stuff gets said. You guys are usually on it. So I just want to hit on a couple of different points. I don't think the plot criticisms are off base. I think the plot is like, I, I think one of almost one of the uh, universal problems with Marvel used to be just the villains were weak. Now it's, I think their plots are weak. I think their plots are hackneyed forced. Um, they are loosely connected by the stupidest of logic. It's a lot of, this is what we want our characters to do. So they do it. Yes. But does it make logical sense? Nobody fucking gives a shit. This is jingling keys, the movie. So as long as, as long as every ten minutes per formula, we have a we big giant CGI action scene, and we do some page to screen translation from something from a comic book to make the neckbeards happy. We put some cool music in there, um, and some really fun costumes. We can fool people into thinking any of this bullshit makes any kind of sense. And I will tell you because I hang around with normies normies uh, and not you nerds that all of the normies i talked to thought this movie was fantastic they absolutely buy into all of the things that i just said they're not looking at this particularly critically because this is not something that people watch for uh, for critical review they watch it to be entertained so where the movie is successful is creating really great energetic colorful entertaining moments um, some that were somber, some, I, I, you know, which leads me to one of my things that I like about the movie. I thought one of the heavy liftings, heavy lifting things that this movie had to do was be a memorial for Chadwick Boseman. And it succeeded there. I think it, that's probably the most successful thing that it does. Mm-hmm, it memorializes definitely. the actor. It memorializes that character. There are some beautiful moments in this. Just, you know, it's been said, but just to recap the opening Marvel scrawl 
uh, with you know with all of it being Chadwick Boseman as opposed to different Marvel characters. I thought that was beautiful and gorgeously, you know, um, you know, with the purple and all of that. Really, really nice. Um, the funeral. I actually would have liked the funeral to be a little bit longer. Um, and not that not not that I think it was given short shrift or anything, but I, I I think somebody was saying like I think you and I were joking about Robert the funeral was going to be like an hour long, and so I was really waiting for that, and it was like oh I they kind of cut that short on me, um, but it's fine it doesn't really matter. Um, I wasn't necess- I didn't necessarily need the Prince Ali you know in fucking Aladdin scene with the elephants and everything, but a little more would have been nice. Um, they should have done the coffin dance. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, and this is a crossed my mind seeing it. <laughs> a little, they a got little close. <laughs> small criticism, a little too much overuse of slow mo. We didn't need that much slow mo in a funeral scene. Um, that being said, all of the stuff with Angela Bassett, Angela Bassett absolutely carries this movie for the amount of time that she's in it. We mentioned that before. Letitia Wright in in the fact that she's even remotely successful is only successful because Angela Bassett is carrying her across the battlefield like a wounded World War II vet. I mean, Letitia Wright rode on Angela Bassett's back until Angela Bassett's taken out of the movie. And without her, I think Letitia Wright's whole uh, whole performance in this movie would have largely failed. Angela Bassett's um, agony over having lost her son and her husband in a relatively short period of time is the most resonant thing about this movie. Second to that is Letitia Wright feeling, you know, angry at the world. Why, you know, why does God feel the need to take my beloved, my loved ones? I felt that. And I thought where Letitia Wright is successful is in mourning the loss of her family, struggling with anger, being traumatized by the experiences of the last few years. Those are all things that work. Asking her to then be a superhero was probably a bridge too far, but she's a great actress, and there's where she's successful. Um, the superhero stuff she fails at. It's it's just the stupidest thing ever. Um, she needed an armor suit. <laughs> I uh, I want to talk about Namor. I loved what they did with Namor, and I'm not. I respect my friends and the people out there as much as I make fun of them on this show for being strict constructionists when it comes to page to screen comic book translation except that's not adaptation those are two different things an adaptation you have the freedom to change things to fit the needs of the script a strict uh, a strict page to screen translation is exactly that there's not that many of them out there and they don't work nearly as well because a lot of stuff that gets written on the page doesn't work on screen that's why you adapt them creative license is a thing you're allowed to have it and i while i will entertain an argument about why don't you just create new characters or or let's stop being married to these people as if they're biblical characters. They're not. Superman can be black. Spider-Man can be gay. It's fucking fine, people. Like, don't read them. Don't watch the movies. You, you have that freedom. But can we stop with the argument over, no, 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 no. Superman has to be the same thing that he was invented as 100 years ago. Namor has to be the same thing he was invented as 100 years ago. Or, or hear me out, they can do what they did, which is... Or- the- which is be, uh, you know, sorry, I'm not going to say it. Well, you can have your time if you want to counter uh, I'm it. I'm not going to say it. But I like the idea that they took this piece of world history, adapted it for use for this character, and, you know, played on, I think, was was a nice theme. I mean, when, when Namor starts talking about they, they, they kill us for our resources, it's a very real thing. 
it's happened. Certainly, you know, the motivation for a lot of atrocities that have happened throughout history and something that if you are, you know, a vampire who has lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, um, something you would have witnessed and be traumatized by and re be reacting to. It's handled stupidly. I'm not arguing that, but at least it's there. And I, you know, I, as we like, as I like to say, when there are themes and there are perspectives, at least I'm happy they're there in the first place. Um, the actor himself, a eh. little slight, the a little slight in the voice. Um, I really wish they had gotten wildly in... inconsistent in his physique too. Like, yeah, that, that man's body type changes from scene to scene. It's very obvious where they had to reshoot. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I didn't notice it, but that's probably right. I will say this: when I heard him talk for the first time, when he comes up out of the brawny deep, you know, in the swamp, like swamp thing, I was and, and he starts to talk. I was like, oh, he needed a deeper voice. The I. His voice is a little too slight. It's a little too high pitched. Not that he's like fucking Ed Grimley or anything, but I just he doesn't have the menace that a villain like that should have. He is utterly devoid of presence in that respect. Utterly yeah. devoid. Um. So my problems is not that he's Mexican. I actually think the costuming in this movie is pretty darn good. Um. On both the the Atlanteans and the um, Wakandans. Uh. And I think. Um. Well, some well, of well, the. Yeah, just I'll, I'll pop in there while you're thinking. Yeah, yeah I think Wakanda Wakanda's never looked better than in this movie. Like the the the, the I think they had a bit more special effects budget, so seeing more of the Wakanda emergency services and military tech, I mm -hmm. I thought it it felt a bit more than a glorified high tech village and more of like yes, this is an empire. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm okay with how they used um, Mesoamerican um, aesthetic. I'm okay with the costuming on those characters and on Namor himself. I just, that particular, and I think, I think the actor physically, as you said, he, does, he doesn't have the physical presence, nor the charisma, nor the intensity to pull off a villain. I think if he had, I think that same actor in a minor role works just fine. Like if he had been a Tuma, that would have been fine. I think they needed an actor with, more of a menacing presence who's able to you know who's really able to pull off if i get my dander up you're all dead because i don't get that from him um and a yeah, deeper voice so i don't want to keep beating myself the uh i was thinking about the crit you know, criticisms for like the pitch meeting guy and some others about how oh, is you pitch know, meeting for this come out yet uh, no not yet okay. um i was looking for it today though yeah, well, it's the point where I'm wondering if he's stealing our material instead of the other way around. <laughs> I just like you know, and I was waiting for the big stupid CGI fight. I've seen worse. Shang Chi still has still has almost every other movie beat for the dumbest CGI ending of the entire Phase Four, which we're going to talk about. We're going to grade Phase Four the in just it's a little bit. The Eternals, like, like it's Shang Chi or the Eternals. I don't know which is. At worse least Shang Chi's action was a little more interesting. Eternals was god awful, ugly, and boring. I mean, Shang Chi's just fails miserably as soon as the dragons start fighting. My my point is, what fine. makes this one largely successful over Shang Chi's stupid dragon fight, or whatever you guys are bitching about with Eternals, which was perfect, and leave Chloe Zhao alone. Shut um, up, Mark. <laughs> High my, five. High five. <laughs> leave my Chloe alone. Team Eternals. She did nothing to hurt you. Um, I watched that movie, Mark. <sighs> this was at least readable. 
Um, they, you know, it was confined to the one space. There was a very clear objective. They would pull away from it to just have a fist fight between, which narratively speaking, you had to have a fist fight between Shuri and Namor. That's fine. Um, it's dumb the way they did it because she should have been dead. Uh, and then, you know, her going, oh, fuck, Wakanda forever, you know, and, you know, and bl blows themselves up, which is a trick she can only do once, Alexis. You know, it's I, I'm like, all right, this is fucking dumb. But um, thank you, Daffy. You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, the actual stuff on the submarine, I think, works pretty well. You get you get a sense of the menace. You get a sense of the scale. It ain't Helm's Deep or anything, but it was just enough to make me go, oh, good. They they scaled back from dragon fights and whatever the fuck Eternals was. So, you know, that's fine. Nothing nothing quite beats No Way Home's final fight. Um, mm -hmm. I think the only criticism of that was it might have been a little too dark at times. But, you know, for the most part, I think everyone agrees of all of the final act fights in all of the Phase 4 Marvel movies, probably No Way Home did it the best. I was going to say, are we yeah. talking all in general or just Phase 4? Just Phase 4. Okay, yeah. No Way Home still has the best. Agreed. Um, yeah. So, and my, my final word on this movie, I think it's successful in creating, if you allow yourself to be entertained by such things, um, it'll, it, it is an entertaining movie for the general audience it was intended for. I think it was largely successful in doing the heavy lifting it was assigned in replacing Chadwick Boseman, elevating a new star, dealing with his death, creating a new villain. I mean, when you think about the monumental task this movie had ahead of it, there was all kinds of rooms to fail. And I think to say it's a failure is a little too harsh. You're, you, you were asking a movie to, you know, rise to the level of like honor student from, you know, pick, uh, sweat hog. And it didn't fail. So on a strictly pass fail basis, I think it passes pretty, pretty handily. But to tell you why I'm wrong, Robert Winfrey. Let's deal with the 300, three-hour elephant in the room. There is zero reason for this movie to be as long as it is. There is zero reason for this movie to be nearly three hours long. It is a chore to sit through. And whatever, whatever grace period you choose to give that runtime on your first viewing, I guarantee you, you will not have on repeat viewing. Not saying there's no rewatch value. I'm saying if you rewatch this, you're going to want it with a fast forward function because there's giant portions where you need to skip. Yeah, I you would agree with you. I'm, I well, as much as as much as I liked it, I wouldn't watch this again. This is going to have this. We'll talk about this with the money, but this is going to have Batman problems. Um, Martin Freeman's character does not need to be in this movie. He brings nothing like the entire subplot he's meant to kind of work with doesn't need to be there. You cut him, you cut Madam Hydra out of this thing entirely, I could just save you 10 minutes. You know, Madam Hydra, Valentina, whatever the hell her name is, they're setting her up for the Thunderbolts movie. I know, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think Robert's point is, you can do this with her, but do it better, not stupid. I gotta say, you, do, you guys do bring up one point, and... I just realized that, unfortunately, I think this actually knocks my opinion of this movie down another grade. One of the big things I've always loved about Marvel movies is they get you invested for what's coming next. They're, they're not always cliffhangers, but you want to see more of these characters. You want to see how they're going to interact with other Marvel characters. We want to see what this is going to bring to the MCU as a whole. 
Right. This, I honestly think, is the first time I have watched a Marvel movie and I have realized that I don't care if we ever see Shuri or Wakanda ever again. Yeah, okay. there's no momentum. Stop, stop, stop. Let me put a pin in that because that is a whole other thing with Phase 4. So, like, the idea of this movie doesn't really do what any of the Avengers movies did is a subject in and of itself. So, thank you for bringing that up. And, David, I'll go to you first when we get there. But let's – all of us uh, cut Robert It's not off. that big of a point. Yeah. Still hold on to it because I okay. really want to address it with dealing with, like, how this movie caps off Phase 4, which is its own conversation. Go ahead, Robert. Well, again, this movie does not need to be this long. There's giant stretches of scenes that could have been cut. It felt like no one told Coogler no in the editing room. Like, well, that would be racist a... if they had. Sure. <laughs> when this movie succeeds, you guys mentioned it. The the opening like five to ten minutes and the closing five minutes or so are really good. Mm-hmm. That deserves to be acknowledged. Angela Bassett's very good. Uh, no, I I can't stand Riri Williams as a character in general. Uh, she's nails on a chalkboard. Uh, she, for those unfamiliar with her as a character in the comics, she was one of the wave of, hey, let's replace established heroes with teenagers and see how that goes. And that attempt, that wave of characters spawned exactly one character that actually works. Because that generation gives us Miles Morales. And Miles Morales is genuinely awesome. But it also gave us Riri Williams, who no one likes. It gave us America Chavez, who pretty much no one likes. It gave us, uh, oh, who was, who was the rep? Amadeus Cho as the Hulk. Um, Amadeus Cho, who no one likes. Um, who was Camilla the, Khan, uh, was she in there too? Or is that a different Yeah, I was saying, it was Kamala yeah, Khan. Yeah. Who worked in her first story arc, actually. Like, if you look at the original story arc of Ms. Marvel, she gets her powers. She tries to be a hero. She gets the crap kicked out of her. And she has to actually grow as a character. And, uh, like, there's stuff, there's growth there. After that, she starts sucking. But her initial, like, first major arc is actually okay. Did we get Kate and, Bishop during this era? Yep. There's okay. Kate Bishop, who I can't say no one likes Kate Bishop, but not many people. I would say of the people you've said, it. she's probably the most popular. Yeah. Well, no, Miles is the most. Like, straight up, Miles Morales is the most popular. Yeah, no one argument. And again, like I don't have a problem with Miles Morales. I think he's a he's actually a character. The others aren't. Um, there's that mm. weird the dinosaur transforming kid um, whose name escapes me. How can you screw that up? Dino- um, no. Uh, reptile. Um, Umberto Lopez. Uh, yeah, reptile. R e p i t l. There's no e on the end of it for some reason. So Loki. So she's part of that generation, and there's a reason the vast majority of those characters have fallen flat on their faces. They're not actually characters. They're they're talking points that are designed to appeal to people, and most people would rather watch characters. And because they're not actually given that respect as characters, they fall apart. Riri's kind of in that vein for me here. She doesn't really do much. She's there to be chased. She's there to be a MacGuffin more than anything else, and to kind of, again, play pseudo alice in wonderland and it's annoying and there's a lot of really stupid stuff that happens in this movie specifically so that the plot can continue and i really hate that i find that lazy Mm -hmm. why is the uh, by way of example okay 
just so you understand where I'm coming from. Why is your head of state in an emergency situation being attacked by a foreign power left alone with an outside girl in the throne room with no support staff? Like, this is just so stupid. Can, so we can kill her. Again, well, yeah. Well, they did establish that there was that they staged like a diversionary attack sort of downtown Wakanda to draw like the military forces away from the palace. But to his point, this okay. So you're in England, and you know, and, and London Bridge blows up. The entire Queen's Guard isn't running to London Bridge. Fair yeah, enough, but they they, they tried. Point. Again, there's just a lot of stupid stuff like that. Um, Letitia, right? We mentioned it. I'm not going to beat the horse to death here. Is not an action star, uh, at all. Uh, Namor's plot, ugh. like this is one. He's He's maybe the least interesting antagonist Marvel has ever put forward. Again, uh, maybe. Ghost? Again, maybe. Malekith or whatever his yeah, name was, was? Yeah, I'm... Okay, there was Malekith, there was... I'll, I'll, give you th I'll give you three that are worse. Okay, here's my three that are worse. Malekith, Corey Stoll, so Yellow Jacket, and Ghost. What and about? I, the, I, oh my God! What was his name? The bad guy from the first uh, Doctor Strange movie, Mad Mickelson's character. I'll actually take oh, him. Do, don't don't Storm. piss Robert off. You can, Mad Mickelson is perfect in every way, and don't you hurt Robert that like that. No, no, like I mean this in all sincerity. I will take that character over Namor. I think that character made more sense. Wow. His desire to like his reasoning for doing what he did made more sense, and his plot was consistent throughout the movie. The fact that I'm going to, like, the Ant-Man movies, which are, you know, bottom barrel stuff, and Thor 2, about which the less said in general, the better. I mean, for crying out loud, Gore, their terrible version of Gore the God Butcher at least made a degree of sense that Namor doesn't. He's all over the place. The actor is, Mark, you mentioned it, the actor's meh in the role, and... This movie doesn't know if they, what they want from Nam, from Namor, which is a big part of the problem. They don't want him to be a villain. They want to try and save him for later for a will he won't he heel turn. And I think that's I think that's a mistake. Uh, again, real, real, and that, uh, real quick on Namor, just for the benefit of the normies who I saw this movies with and who might be listening to this review, um, to quote one of my good friends, Namor fucks. There are a lot of women who think Namor is hot and good enough track? for them. The actor is very good looking, no question. That's an attractive so, man, fair enough. Yeah, I no, no, I just want to go I ahead and say that. My criticisms of him were as a villain, as as a as a GQ model, he works just fine. Go ahead, Alexis. I also give credit to um oh my god, what the actor's name uh what what I can't pronounce his last name. Um he's a Mexican actor. I think this is if not his for this his first English role. It's definitely mm -hmm. his first major released English role. And I think, you know, credit should be given to, you know, pull, having to pull off a character like that in a language, you know, in a completely different scenario that, from mm -hmm. what you're used to. I yeah, just think it's fair enough. Good. Acknowledged. Um, again, the I think my big problem with this movie, again, apart from the runtime and some of the little stuff that just kind of grates on me personally. They've yet... Let me just dovetail this into our discussion of Phase 4, if you don't mind, Mark, before we get into the yeah, money. Yeah. That's, no, no, that's what I wanted to do, so go ahead. Okay. The entirety of Phase 4 has been mm. pretty much a letdown. 
with the exception of Spider-Man. Sure. Like, and your mileage is going to vary on a couple of movies, but as a general 99.9% of the universe agrees 90, that Spider-Man did not disappoint. Okay, fair enough. The 0.00001% is currently in our chat room. I'm sure it, there's another person out there, and that'll be the fourth ex-Mrs. Ro uh, Robert Winfrey. Uh, again, like my, <laughs> I had my issues with No Way Home. Feel free to re-listen to our review of it if you want to hear them. I'm not going to relitigate that here. Please, please go ahead and check out my TikTok where I shake my son to death about it. Okay. <laughs> you don't remember that? Me I screaming, do. me screaming about audience reactions and screaming at my son to go to bed. Sure. <laughs> but Phase Four has been a giant disappointment. There's none of these individual movies feel like they matter. There's no stakes attached to any of this. There's almost no sense of like continuing building. And when they try it, it's very ham fisted. It's, you know, Shang-Chi getting his having his rings looked at at the end and going, oh, this is celestial technology. Like, ooh, what's that supposed to be? <laughs> or the end of. Uh, it's eternal. not celestial technology. It's quantum technology. Whatever and you see the orbiting rings in the uh, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania trailer? No. But okay, I'll take your word for it. Nerd. And th then you've got the Eternals, and they're like, hey, the Celestials are here, and this is going to change everything. And it cha turns out it changes nothing. Like, nobody cares. You left a half-extruded infant Celestial corpse sticking out of the ocean. And nobody cares because none of this matters. You would think one other character in one other Phase Four movie would have mentioned something about the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like just, just, head. Just like a panning shot, and there's like one construction worker just fucking sawing at it, you know, something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, one uh, person uh, with uh, a jackhammer or something. Yeah, or, or, the, or the Wakandans and the Tukwitlans are having their big battle at sea, and you just see like the hand in the background sticking out of the ocean. Okay. Or you know, like this is this, and this would have made Robert like so much happier. Like, like, yeah, get some, get some. I'm gonna shoot you, mother. And so he flies into the hand. Yeah, like, like remember that episode of The Tick where Chairface Chippendale like started to carve his name on the moon and they stopped him mid-carve? <laughs> yes. And for the rest and of the series... A cha in the yeah, for the rest of the series, every time the moon's in a shot, it's got cha written on it. Yeah, again... like Now that's uh, devotion to your work. I yes. I appreciate that. Uh, that's a nice reference, David. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, again, just none of this stuff matters. And... There's no tension in there's no tension in the conflicts. There's no tension in the sequences. Uh, there's not really been a building. I don't think Phase Four knew what it wanted to do. You've got just stuff. Like again, you've got theoretical quantum technology from one ancient secret organization that's quietly been manipulating the strings of history right there with the hand and Hydra, and however many other of these stupid things exist. You've got, hey, we're the secretly immortal machine gods who have been with humanity since the dawn of time and actively allowed Thanos to ruin their plan to birth a celestial. Like, I'll buy Namor sitting that one out, even if he loses half of his people. I'll buy that. The celestials, whose entire the Eternals, his entire purpose is to give birth to the Celestial that needs sentient life on its surface to hatch. 
allowing 50% of that to be wiped out just seems really, really stupid. Because Let's bring up, why didn't Namor do anything during the during the snap? You think he would have poked his head up? It's like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, maybe he was snapped. Who knows? Good no point. one knows. Because no one cares. Because no one cares about any of this. That would have been interesting, actually, if Namor was one of the ones who was snapped and it just left the rest of the Talokans and completely... Would have been a nice carrot. Like that could have been his impetus for doing stuff. Yes, like, right, you know what I would have rather have seen is that is that he had been snapped and that he reappears and he turns around and goes, "Where's the fuck's our, our brave vibranium?" Oh, let me tell you about the last five years, no more. You know, and then yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Are you fucking the Americans have our vibranium? Are you shitting me?" And then you know, Cthulhu attack, and you know, and that draws the Wakandans out or some shit. Yeah, I'm just imagining him finishing like his like ultimatum threatening Wakanda. is like oh yeah by the way like about two three years ago did like a bunch of people disappear did you guys get that too i'm i'm really <laughs> wondering what, what happened man how us? about just something like and all of a sudden we disappeared it was surely you know a test from our god or something so, like yeah. that i would have no problem with them just thinking that it was something from their own deity screwing with them yeah. wouldn't be the first time an ancient civilization had something like that happen and they assumed it was someone up upstairs you're not wrong but so so again like phase four has been a giant disappointment and i mean the only movie out of this that anyone talks positively about in any sort of serious way was spider-man and then now this to some degree is going to get positive response because in some respects it's de it deserves it but if you look at it i mean let me see if i can remember the order of this because where do you I have it up I have okay, it. Okay, so you have. Yeah, I got Let me see if I can remember. Stop, stop, stop. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Shang Spider-Man, Doc Strange, Thor, Black Panther. Okay. Seven movies and five television series, at least. Hang on. I got your list. I got you, buddy. WandaVision, Falcon, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, She Hulk, Attorney at Law. Eight. And One, two, two specials, Werewolf by Night and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And I'm just going to have to ask the question here. Has this served any purpose? So I mean, about it. hang on. Only talking creatively. Okay. Because I, again, mm -hmm. I, like, I understand the business side of this. I no, no. I, I, wasn't even gonna this. I wasn't even going to attack you from the money side. No, no, no. Because they, I, that's, that's clarification for the audience mm -hmm. here. Like, I just mean creatively. What has any of this accomplished? So I think it's buckshot and it's all over the target. Um, I'm going to complete that thought in just a second. We cut David off about an hour and a half ago. David, what was your point that you were trying to make about phase four that I told you to pin until now? Oh, it, was, it was more about just the movie, I would say. like I would be all for seeing more of King Umbaku <laughs> in, in the MCU. I feel really bad for cutting you off now for that. Um, anyway. <laughs> he, gets his, he gets his own series of shorts on Disney+, Plus, much like Baby Groot. I'd I be okay with that. I would too. Like I'm not. I'm not joking about that. Make that a thing. Okay. So a couple of things. Just let's let's go back all the way to the beginning. Phase one was about introducing the Avengers. It was capped off with the Avengers, which the Avengers had a long ranging effect on the Marvel Cinematic Universe because you now had alien technology floating about. It affected Spider Man. It affected. Um, it affected the next Avengers movie. They were still look between Loki, Scepter. And the uh, Alexis, what were the name of the aliens again? The Chitari. And yeah. the Chitari tech. Um, not to mention, you know, this 
sort of raising the ire of Thanos, who was even more motivated to go find the to go find the Infinity Gems. Uh, not to mention, one of them wasn't. Two of them in that movie were Infinity Gems. Uh, everything about Phase One and the Avengers had a long-ranging effect on everything that would happen after. Everything was building towards something. Um, phase Two was the further adventures of these characters, but also getting them to the point where they were uh, going to fall completely apart. And then in phase three, they are apart and they are vulnerable to the attack by Thanos. And then they're dealing with said attack by Thanos. And then the conclusion. Phase four, you know, they, they call that the infinity, you know, the, the infinity saga. Infinity saga. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Phase four is almost a postscript to the infinity saga. I don't think we've begun anything. I think we're still, I think this is epilogue. Um, it's technically supposed to be the start of the multiverse saga. That's what it's they've officially dubbed the new movement. The new right, it's supposed election. to be, but it doesn't feel that way to Robert's point. The only one that kind of remotely touches on that is Loki, um, and to a lesser extent, what if. But What about Doctor Strange and No Way Home? I think that they touch on have, the multiverse. Okay, so... Yes, on the one hand, there's multiverse elements in those movies, which you know they they, they literally I, I, go to the mul uh, the multiverse right. in. Doctor but I mean, Strange did anything did anything about what happened in Doctor Strange seem to seemingly have a long range effect on anything? That was that their whole purpose in in having the multiverse in that movie was so that Wanda could fuck around. The whole purpose of having the multiverse in Spider Man was to have multiple Spider Mans. Neither one, by the end of those movies, any did anything happen that could be capitalized on later the way Avengers does. And it's not like I have this great love of the Avengers movie. It's just, you can't get around the fact that everything that happened in that movie was capitalized on later. It laid seeds for stuff that grew later on in further phases and other movies. Nothing about what happened in Dr. Strange. This is, this is my point, And you guys can kick this back if you want. Nothing about what happens in phase four seems interconnected in any kind of way. A lot of it seems just like isolated stories that could have happened that didn't necessarily need to happen in a cinematic universe. About um, the only thing I can think of is like Madame Hydra and sort of setting up the Thunderbolts. That's kind of like the only thing that's really that's, yeah, it's a loose thread at going that. through. Yeah. But let's 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 tackle these just so I'm not out of the you know, let's do the movies first. Let's do this logically. So Black Widow's a prequel, and it only the only thing it serves to do is introduce Yelena, who will sh who shows up here's and Hawkeye new, who will then show up in the Thunderbolts. Black Widow. Right. Shang Chi will probably show up in Avengers movie somewhere. Um, but there's nothing that there's nothing that I could see going on in that movie other than maybe what the ten rings are and what they'll end up being that sets up mm -hmm. anything going forward. But that doesn't really connect to anything else. Right. And it yeah. doesn't connect to anything else. Eternals, we talked <laughs> about this. They they built a fucking statue in the middle of the of the ocean that nobody addresses. Um and well, you know, the and, celestial showed up in Earth's orbit, stared at a city, was seen by theoretically thousands of people before it yoinked a few of them away, <laughs> and apparently everyone just went, "Oh, I guess Doctor Briefs is doing something crazy again." I mean, to be fair, they've kind of been through a few crazy things by now. It's <laughs> just probably not as yeah, it's, yeah, it's but still, kind of you think it was, somebody would have mentioned? Yeah. It. Oh, okay. How about okay? The first Ant Man. We have that brief scene of. Uh, Scott on the ant on a newspaper and it says who's to blame for Sokovia 
on it. Again, mm-hmm, right. nice little Easter egg, allude something. How about something like that? Someone's got a TV on in the background mm-hmm. talking about right. the head. Someone's got a newspaper or a magazine, a freaking Time magazine with the picture of the Stone Arisham head. Something like that to show how this is impacting mm-hmm. the world. Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home had less to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and more just capped off nine Spider-Man movies or eight Spider-Man movies. Like that, the that part of the reason... Mark, yeah, part reverse. of the reason why that movie works as well as it does is that was more of a uh, of an end game of all the different Spider-Man movies than it was anything having to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And again, operates almost independently from everything else. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is essentially an isolated story about Doctor Strange. It introduces America Chavez. It connects to WandaVision, but it's it's a one-to-one connection. It doesn't really range out in any way. It deals somewhat with some substance stuff that happened in phases one through three with agents of shield and the what is it the necrocomicon or whatever the fuck it was called the, the um dark hold. the dark hold yeah I which bear, bearing yet. in mind that it completely ignores the continuity of agents of shield because in agents of shield the dark hold is what was that in the possession of robbie reyes at one point yeah something like that um and then i think some and then what what's his nuts um uh the, the guy the guy that died colson I think Coulson ended up like making a deal to become the Ghost Rider and did something with the Darkhold. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder was an, an utterly isolated story that had nothing to do with anything. That's just a further adventure yeah. of, the, of Thor, and it was like, oh, what happened with him and Guardians of the Galaxy? Nothing. That's what happened. They listened to Guns and Roses. That's what they did. And, and then we Black got rid Pan- of our Fat Thor joke. And here's my biggest criticism, kind of rounding this back to Black Panther, just for a moment. When you think about what movies ended each phase, Avengers, Age of Ultron. Infinity War and Endgame. Very definitive. Hang on. Didn't, wasn't Civil War the end of Phase 2 rather than Age nope, of it was Ultron? the beginning of Phase 3. Okay. Um, all of the phases ended with Avengers movies. Okay. And I thought the, technically and phase... Ant-Man was the end of this. Oh, I you're right. I could have sworn Ant-Man is. was technically the end Tec- of Phase 2. Yeah, technically Ant-Man is. Okay, I would have... I would have Whatever. Age of Ultron. Um, in any case, I it's... When you have the, assuming I'm right, when you have phase one that ends with the Avengers, phase two that ends with Age of Ultron, and phase three that ends with Endgame, and then phase four ends with Wakanda Forever, this utterly unrelated, isolated chapter in the history of the Black Panther franchise that has nothing to do with anything else and doesn't really cap off anything, doesn't bring anyone together, and doesn't really set up anything for the future except the further adventures of Shuri, I, phase four, you know, Andrew's talked about this on, you know, in our group chat, and on some of the other podcasts, how this feels like the filler phase, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I go back to my my argument is, and I feel like I'm presenting enough evidence to back my point up. Uh, people who make podcasts, this is how you do an argument. It's this feels like epilogue, not prologue. It feels like epilogue, not a chapter in the multiverse saga. It just feels like we still have to deal with the aftermath of the return of the people from the blip. One of them dealt with that, and that leads us to the television shows. That's Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, you know, you have WandaVision, which was kind of fallout from Endgame and all that happened with that, uh, but still somewhat isolated to things, and it just sets up Doctor Strange. Falcon and Winter Soldier is about the only show that I can tell that deals directly with the fallout from the blip, and your mileage will vary about how well that was done. Yeah, badly, but they tried. Um, led Loki- to us having one of the most agonizing podcasts ever trying to discuss the ownership of the fucking shield which is really the most it. important point of what this is all about 
if you, know, you remember, frankly, uh, considering Dave, that that's things made of vibranium that was probably stolen illegally from the Wakandan, shouldn't it be returned to them as it was culturally appropriate? That, that should be the war between T'Challa and Wakanda. Who gets the shield? <laughs> Intern, write that down. So, Loki. Want to keep bringing it up, Alexis? Want to keep pushing us? Okay, just wondering. Moving on. Loki's about the only thing that, that gets us going into the multiverse saga, but you know, I, I Grant, Grant and I had just gotten COVID that day, so I didn't do the podcast with you guys. But had I been there, I'd have been like, "The fuck, man!" You know, we're promised all of this stuff with Loki, and then and, and the uh, the multiverse, and it's like it introduces the concept, but that's about all it did. It and introduces then it, the concept and newer, shinier Loki, right? Like female exactly. Loki don't like old Loki. Um, I mean, it sets up Kang, kind of, sort of, maybe, sort of. God, um, I, I mentioned this before, but if you didn't watch Loki. That reveal of Jonathan Majors as Kang in the Ant Man in the Quantum Mania trailer means absolutely nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> so then you have Hawkeye, which I think was a fine show. Shut up, Robert. But oh, you know, it could have been. It's it could have been. It's more. It's more Fallout from Endgame than anything else. Moon Knight and a final bow for uh, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, um, Moon Knight could have been in a completely. Could have been well, in the DC universe for all we fucking knew. Look, Moon Knight Hawkeye, was Hawkeye's the assassin. Hawkeye's the character assassination of Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin more than anything else. So we anyway, we talked about this. Moving on. <laughs> Moon Knight. So, Moon Knight connects to nothing. Didn't even have to be in the Marvel universe. And if you didn't know any better, you didn't know. Wouldn't have even known Moon Knight was a Marvel character. Uh, Ms. Marvel was more or less isolated from everything else and has no bearing on the future. Other than this character may show up later. And I she was going to say, little... it does do a little setup for the the Marvels um, movie that we're going to get in Phase 5. Uh, yeah, at the very end. And I'm not counting this last second shit, you know, because then they all sort of connect, but poorly. And then She-Hulk Attorney Outlaws, yet another show that exists in the world, a world after superheroes, and it kind of is a postscript to the Hulk, you know, from 20 years ago. But who gives a shit? You know, we, I mean, look, I we, we lavished enough praise on that show in our review of it that i don't need to get into it my point in bringing all of this up is we now have gone through all those movies and all these television shows and not once did i say oh and this really gets us going and this really sets the stage for things that are going to happen in the future maybe in 10 years when we look back on phase four we're like oh i completely botched this you know all of this stuff showed up later i doubt it's it. not seemingly obvious now not in the way the avengers was um so I just want to kind of cap off this discussion of phase four. My, my feeling just so people know what to react to in this conversation and what I'm trying to get at here is I thought Wakanda forever was not a great choice to cap off phase four. I think phase four is wildly inconsistent all over the place and just kind of, it feels like Alexis, you can say, you can say irrelevant. I was going to go with Alexis phase four feels like a series of anthology stories, not a coherent narrative leading to a big payoff. What do you think? I think phase four feels extremely experimental. I feel that since this was the first phase to actually include TV shows, I get the feeling that Disney and Feige focused more on this phase as what can we do? Not what do we, what story do we need to tell? I do agree that this was very lacking in focus. And I think it's also pretty obvious that they didn't know for certain this was going to be the multiverse saga until at least halfway through the uh, the halfway through the released movies. I refuse to believe that at the beginning of WandaVision, Feige knew for a fact um, 
you know, what they were going to go through with this. There are a few elements from each property that do add up, but Mark, if you're saying the whole last minute shit doesn't count, then we can't really use that. Because, yeah, it does feel like some of them were tacked on specifically because they said, we want this to come back. I'm really thinking about that uh, mid credit scene with um, Doctor Strange and Clea. Yeah. That, it's like that, was, that really felt like it was tacked on just to build up to the multiverse saga. That feels like Sam Raimi didn't direct it. Yeah. Like they got David, done with you, that movie and second unit was like, hey, shoot the stinger. In terms of narrative cohesion, you know, again, I'm going to throw out there. So, you know, you know what you're reacting to. This feels like a series of loosely connected anthology stories, not a not the coherent story that was in the first three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What say you? Yeah, other than the bits of things setting up the Thunderbolts or whatever they end up doing, there, there's not a lot of attachment between these stories. Though, granted, I think like the, there hasn't. I, I think people overthink how how planned out the MCU really is. It's more like they'll sort of throw out a few feelers and they'll kind of go with what works. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's sort of why other cinematic universes failed so hard as they put all the emphasis on the interconnectability of the films. Whereas the MCU films, they at least usually make a pretty good movie, even despite that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can debate what a good movie is till the end of time, but you know, usually it's like, yeah, most of these are pretty good. Even even like the worst of them are like, yeah, it was all right. No, and- David, you're absolutely right. We've, we've mentioned this before on various other shows. The first Iron Man movie, yeah, they were hoping to start a connected universe, but that would not have happened if Iron Man wasn't a good solo movie. And Iron Man, if you had cut that post credit scene out with Samuel L. Jackson and nothing had come of it, no sequels, no future appearances, whatever, it still would have been an awesome movie. Yeah, so yeah. they kind of... Yeah, and I even think that that, that post credit scene was just done as like a little joke. They didn't think much of it at the time, but then someone had the brilliant idea and you know billions of dollars were made, and here we are. Depending on but, how much you believe um, John Favreau, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't read his mind. But uh, so so I, I certainly agree that, yeah, the phase four seems a lot less focused big big picture wise this time around. You know, you certainly had you know the early Marvel films was just like, hey, we're doing other Marvel characters. And then, hey, there's this Tesseract thing. And then, hey, there's now the Infinity Stones and Thanos and then, you know, Endgame. Uh, you, you know, know like it, it, it kind of built up to this crescendo. Whereas here it's just kind of, uh, you know, like, yeah, it, it feels unfocused. For the most part, I think um, Robert, as sort of a postmortem on this, I think ending it with Black Panther and being good enough, good enough for government work, was a poor decision. Like, I, I'm not, I'm usually not the one on here is super negative, um, and and overly critical, but I think the idea of okay, we're just going to end Phase Four with Black Panther is really ending this with a whimper. I mean, that's not a criticism against the film; it's that's not a good capstone. It's just another movie. You're just like arbit- could- you're arbitrarily ending the phase on a nothing. Yeah, it it could have been I think if they had done better with sort of establishing Namor as a threat and the new political mm-hmm. system. Like it needed to be a bit more at the end. Then we had a big fight on a boat, which we almost lost. And I think that was kind of the 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 high point that it didn't hit. Here's what I'll tell you: they should have they, there should have been an A Force movie. Since we have all of these gal characters, why not end why not end Phase Four with a capstone 
where you know you have your villain out there and you invent a reason for She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel, Yelena, um, all of these all of these wonderful female characters that they've introduced throughout Phase Four that have driven the the neckbeardy elements of Twitter mad, mad, I tell you, and just do an A Force movie. Get all your girl characters, girls get it done. You know, throw it out there on National Women's Day and say, boom, there's your there's your end of phase four. I'd have been fine with that. But, you know, that's just me. What do you think, Robert? I think if this movie had been the original script, it probably wouldn't have been a problem. Mm -hmm. I think when they originally set this to be the capstone to phase four, because Kugler's mentioned that the original idea was T'Challa, like the emotional tenor of this movie was going to be T'Challa dealing with having missed five years mm -hmm. like, and how you deal with that. And now that we know he's got a kid who I assume was going to be there anyway, my assumption, like missing the first five years of your child's life is kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. So you could have done stuff with that. Like the, mm -hmm. there's things you could have done emotionally that don't work and don't resonate as a capstone when you don't make that movie. So Look, Phase Four had a lot of rate against it. Um, you're dealing with you were dealing with kind of trying to follow the culmination of a story. Mm -hmm. The loss of the characters that we actually cared about, as a general rule. Yeah, we're starting from scratch, basically. Yeah, and pandemic, I think, threw a bit wrench into the works too. Again, it, it's, it's it, not the sole reason, but it's there. It certainly didn't help anything. So, so um, got ahead, a lot of rate against it, but it's, I mean, even with all that, you have to call it as it lies, right? And it's a mess. It's an unfocused, uninteresting mess. Right. So if, if the um, multiverse saga begins in earnest, I mean, they're saying it begins in earnest with phase four, Alexis. So you're technically right, but I call bullshit and I'm, and I'm what matters. So if it's beginning in earnest... I'm kind of with, with you, Mark, for the record, as far as that goes. Like, there's there's almost nothing here that actually does anything to kind of yeah. get you moving in that direction. So if they, if the in, if the multiverse saga begins in earnest with um, Quantum Mania, yeah, we have Ant Man. The, well, here's Phase Five: um, Ant Man of the Wasp, Quantum Mania, Guardians of the Galaxy Three, the Marvels, Captain America, New World Order, ba -bam, ba -bam, bam, Thunderbolts, and then Blade, and then over on uh, didn't they delay Blade? Uh, yeah, but Blade that's it's that's where it's been delayed. Where it's to, been I delayed believe. too. Okay, it's it's currently we have three movies in 2023 and three in 2024, ending with Blade, September 6, 2024. Um, and then television yeah. shows. We've got What If Season Two, Secret Invasion, which I think is going to be bonkers. Echo, which I think is going to be bullshit. Loki, more bullshit. Ironheart, lots of bullshit. Agatha, Covenant of Chaos, singing bullshit. And Daredevil, Born Again. That's 50-50 going to piss people oh. off or 50-50 going to be amazing. I can't tell. Look, man, after what they after what they did to Kingpin and what they did to Matt Murdock and She-Hulk, I, I have they no They do shit to Matt Murdock. You oh, for God's sake, they made Robert. It. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Look, I don't care if that they had some... A... Hang on. I don't care that they made some jokes at his expense. I genuinely don't care. Like, okay, funnies. Okay. Ha ha. I care that they turned him into a joke. There's a big difference between having comedic re stuff related to a character and making the character a punchline. They made him a punchline. Okay. 
I'm not going to argue with you about that. Um, I think there's hope here. I don't think you, know. you could. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Alexis, no, we already do... talked about She-Hulk on TV Party Tonight. Plug, plug. Thank you. So, Alexis, I'm going to give you first crack at this. Um, what's your 50 words or less? What's your hopes here for the multiverse saga beginning with Phase 5? Again, now that they actually know what they want to do with this phase, now that they actually have a plan in place, at least I pray to God they have a plan, I am hoping to see more interconnectivity, more intertwined stories. I want to see this actually building towards something, okay? Let, I mean, let's put this in the simplest terms. Let's go looking for the Infinity Stones. Right. Dave? You're, uh, you got any high hopes here with the list of movies and television shows I just rattled off? Uh, well, I've seen the Quantumania trailer, and that looks like it could be actually quite interesting. I never thought I'd be that interested in an Ant-Man film. Not that mm -hmm. I don't like the Ant-Man films, but he's always kind of been, no pun intended, a bit of a smaller character. Oh, for God's sake. I said no pun intended. It doesn't matter. We're still going to roll our eyes at that line. Okay, fair enough. Then fine. I meant it. And I'm glad. Glad I tell you. Glad, 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 glad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Of, of course, mm. like real high hopes for that. Uh, everything else kind of like, yeah, it'll probably be okay. But those are kind of the big standouts that I can think of for, for phase five. You know, I, I went into phase four hoping, you know, and I went into the Disney Plus shows hoping that they were going to be awesome and that I was going to stay interested in this. I, I'll tell you what, looking at this just kind of individually as films, I'm looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, looking forward to Guardians. Oh, oh, okay, I have to ask. Yeah. Because I have a hunch about this, but I have to ask. Yes, sir. Why are you looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp? Honestly, because of the of we've been talking for the past half hour about interconnectivity and moving the overall arc of the Marvel Cinematic Universe forward. This seems like one of the few movies doing that, which brings me to the second okay. one I'm looking forward to. In also, that Bill Murray. Also, in the that, fact that while we're while we will obviously admit both Ant Man movies had lame villains, they were still very enjoyable movies. You're gonna piss Robert off. The other two I'm that here. I'm looking forward to in that in that respect are Captain America: New World Order and Thunderbolts. Because they did say Ugh. way back in the yesteryear that they were, even though it's the multiverse saga, that they were running two separate tracks. There was sort of the street-level starter track, which has to do with things like New World Order and Thunderbolts and whatnot. And then there was the more celestial, you know, spacey track. Um, I'm looking forward to things like... I'm looking forward to things like Secret Invasion. That looks like it's going to have an impact on things. So I think that's I think that's sort of a postscript on this entire conversation, and then we can jump into the money. I just want the Marvel movies to start having an impact again. Regardless of what you felt about the tenor and treatment of Thor and Ragnarok, that had an impact. Regardless of, of the criticisms we levied against Civil War, and there's been plenty of them, and Andrew and I, as much as we love each other, have nearly had a fist fight over this. Civil War actually had an impact on things, a large impact. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, not so much, but they were still enjoyable yeah. movies that were emotionally resonant. Ant-Man had an impact. Ant-Man, you know, Ant-Man's impact. The, the quantum stuff, it being the entire basis for time travel, it had an impact. Yeah, um, and why aren't they fixing all their problems with time travel, by the way? Because they established that it wasn't work because of the diverging timelines. All right, fair enough. 
So anyway, I would like, so phase four, I think, uh, you know, if everyone's like, what is the point of this conversation? The point of this conversation is phase four was the least impactful of any phase so far. I would like to get back to these Marvel movies having some weight and impact on future storylines. And with that said, with oh, that said, on, my, oh, for the love of Christ. You didn't let me get my two cents in here on this. I am sorry. Um, as far as what I'm looking forward to for phase five. Yes, sir. I'm... <sighs> I'm nothing. Sure. Got it. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I wish. If it was straight up. Stop was, bullying him. I, I was simply extrapolating from previous data. That, no, no, that's very fair. And if it was going to be straight up nothing, I, I would have just said that. But I am curious about Ant Man and the Wasp. I'm not sure how optimistic I am, but I'm curious. Um, I'm looking forward to the Guardians. I mean, those movies. Ha it's weird because those movies have impact, but in the they set up stuff that matters emotionally more than um, storyline wise. Sure. Like mm -hmm. the guardians, um, the importance that they bring is one, they fleshed out Thanos and two, they established Thanos's relationship with Gamora. And that's kind of the emotional linchpin for a lot of infinity war. Sure. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they're doing. I'm not looking forward to the Marvels. I'm not really looking forward to the next Captain America Is movie. Anyone looking forward to the Marvels? I don't even think Alexis I doubt is it. looking forward to the Marvels. I am looking forward to the Marvels solely on the grounds of I want to see how these stories with uh what's her name? Rambo from uh WandaVision, Pulsar. Kamala Khan, and Carol Danvers intertwine. That that is not so much I'm looking forward to the movie. I'm more looking forward to what they're gonna do with the craft. We agree. Nobody's interested in the Marvels. Uh, I am I interested in the new Captain America movie. Yeah, I really absolutely. am. Especially since they're bringing back Tim Blake Nelson as the leader. I am excited. I want him as the villain. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know anyone who even knows what the Thunderbolts are. Who's not a major nerd. And I don't say that unkindly for the record. Like that, mm -hmm. That's not a criticism of you as a person. That's an acknowledgement. <sighs> You know who they are because you're a major nerd. No, I said I do. Oh, you mean it as a criticism. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I. and looking at the lineup from the Thunderbolts, that movie is going <laughs> to Sorry, Sorry, here I am, like, like, you know, like making fun of nerds, nerd culture's neck, but in my Harry Potter shirt. My <laughs> Harry Potter shirt that I wore to a sex party. Please continue. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not the, getting out of that one, am I? Nope. <laughs> the Thunderbolts is probably going to tank. If you look at that lineup, like one of those characters has appeared in a movie that anyone's seen. The rest are the rest are coming from the Disney Plus shows. That movie's going to fall flat on its face. They're going to have to do some serious hinting at the team in the other Marvel in the other Phase Five movies to get people really interested. Yeah, you've got a couple of movies to try and make that thing matter, and otherwise, like, bomb. That that might be the first genuine bomb the MCU produces. Uh, on Mark, the TV... I need you to isolate this segment and hold on to it for when the Thunderbolts movie comes out so we can know whether or not Robert was actually predicting the truth. I will make sure to this entire segment on TikTok. And, I, hey, I might be wrong, but that's my hunch. Like, and, the MCU... Yeah. Does, phase 4, last thing, and then we move on to the money. Phase four had to try and rebuild momentum after the capstone, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a hard thing to do. Not saying it's an easy mm -hmm. thing. I'm saying that's the task you were assigned and you failed pretty miserably. The MCU has no momentum at the moment. You have isolated 
kind of hits. It's not as dead as Star Wars, but it's getting there. Yeah, look, when they move Kathleen Kennedy to kind of godfather the MCU, we'll know it needs to be shot in the head. (laughs) (laughs) So one of us needs to just run up there and sacrifice himself and suicide bomb that shit. I've been saying for years, go throw Robert in the fucking volcano. Uh, look, man. It, all I said, all I ask is that I get to take Kathleen Kennedy and her vision for Indiana Jones Five with me. Yeah, no oh, one's gonna stop you. No, all you have to <laughs> put it out on Twitter. There'll be volunteers. There'll be black robes. The whole deal. I, I will, I will go down in flames to stop. If you don't know what the rumors are about Indiana Jones Five and how they're desperately trying to reshoot the endings, I envy you your ignorance. Wrap up. Uh, that's it. So phase five, you got a couple of things that have to, if it, phase five cannot do box office and culturally what phase four did, they cannot afford that again. No, they cannot. This is kind of if phase five doesn't hit home run after home run. I think, I think by the time we get to, here's the problem. Phase six. The fantastic to, four never actually make it to the screen. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, phase six has secret wars and the Kang dynasty. I am hard pressed to, you know, if you if we go the next two years and there's not a nary a hit amongst them, do people even just sit out on those when those two things are such crowd, you know, potential crowd pleasers? It's a rhetorical question. Don't answer it. Let's instead talk about <laughs> <laughs> to talk about the money. the money. The money. Here comes the money. What the fuck? What am I doing? For <laughs> circus. After the circus. Uh, here we go. Here. That's right. We're in the money. We're in the money. All righty, ladies and gents. On a budget of 250 million Marvel monies. Probably uh, this, more than that when it was all said and done, for the record. This thing has earned in its opening weekend. Worldwide, $342.8 million. Uh, it, well on our uh, way to profitability. As November, as of November 14th, 2022, Black Panther uh, grossed $192.5 million in the U.S. and Canada and $150 million in other territories. That's right, the rest of the world. You're just other. Well, According apparently to the, this is not getting a China release. Yeah, because yeah, they that's have to throw in that's the what, scene of the two Dora Milaje living together. That's what fucked me on Black Adam. I could have easily cut that out. I'm so mad I lost that bet, by the way. I haven't lost it yet, but I'm going to. Um, According to. Yeah, I know. Damn. (laughs) What happened, China? Why won't you help? According to The Hollywood Reporter, Black (laughs) Panther Wakanda Forever was projected to earn $175 million in North America on its opening weekend. By November 22nd, Box Office Pro estimated the film's opening weekend in North America to be between $170 to $205 million and projected the film would earn. Uh, up to 543 million for its total domestic gross. Uh, it made 84 million on its first day, the 10th best of all time, including 28 million from Thursday night previews, the third best of 2022. It went on to gross 181.3 million during the opening weekend. This was the third biggest opening for a film during the pandemic era behind Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Missed Opportunities and Spider Man, all the Spider Men at 260 million. It was so the biggest opening. Fails- when this thing fails to overtake Top Gun Maverick, who gets fired at Disney? <laughs> it was also the biggest opening weekend ever for a film released in November. So all kinds of records being broken here. Outside the U.S. and Canada where nothing matters, the film grossed $150.3 million from 50 countries of, that no one can name. 
It had the biggest opening ever for a film in Nigeria. As yeah, well as Kamar, second... former former UFC welterweight champion Kamaru Usman will now be paying his SAG dues until he dies because he has a minor speaking role in this after he got head kicked into unconscious by Leon Edwards. That's why you're on this show, buddy. The Connect movies to, to, to MMA. As well as the second biggest for a film released in 2022 in France and South Africa. It also scored the second biggest worldwide opening for a film during the pandemic era behind Doctor Strange and Spider-Man No Way Home. Disney's Africa affiliate reported the film set an all-time box office opening in West Africa and had the biggest box opening of 2022 in East Africa, as well as the second highest opening box office ever in the region of Southern Africa. So this may or may not surprise you, Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy podcast, but hey, guess what? Black Panther was the number one movie of the weekend. Are you shocked? I am. This is my surprised face. I, <laughs> I see your surprised face, and I raise you. Black Adam which uh, finally fell from number one to number two. Shut up. Shut up. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we move on, here's my yeah. question for everyone on Black Panther. Yeah. What's your prediction for the percentage drop next week? I mean, we're going to get to it in a second, but it doesn't have okay. any major competition. I, this, I'm this aware. Fr- this, Friday, this Friday coming up is, is a nothing Friday. The only, um, I think it's the menu comes out the 18th. We're, we're going to discuss uh, a week from tomorrow. Because um, I'm going to Five Finger Death Punch on Tuesday. However, uh, Strange World comes out the day before Thanksgiving, so that's going to struggle more than I thought it would. For um, but I mean, that's the only thing that really cuts into the same audience that sh- that it shares with Black Panther. So you know, for the for this coming weekend, just before Strange World, Black Panther is going to be fine. It'll be the number one. It's not getting beat by the I, fucking menu, or she said. Hang on, I didn't say it's not going to be number one. I said what percentage does it drop? I don't think it drops that much because here's the thing people may have people may have here's what i'm going to tell you i'm going to say it's let slightly less than 50 percent. i'm going to say it's about 45 wow i think it's a a 45 how strong a hold over that is no competition um and i think a lot of people sat on their hands that first week because everyone's been burned by marvel at this point and they were like oh shit normal people like this movie it's actually, you know, it, it's people are actually speaking positively about it. Can you sit and hold your pee for three hours? Maybe. And those people will come out and see it. I mean, I'm uh, when when I tell you the anecdotally, the normal people around me are seeing this movie hither and thither. I'm telling you, it. I don't think it drops greater than 50%. Okay. So you're projecting the, it makes around 90 million next week. Yes. After okay. Strange World comes out, not so much. I think string I think then you're gonna have a 50 to 60 percent drop. Um moving on. Black Adam fell from one to two. Ticket to Paradise maintained its hold of three. Lyle Lyle Crocodile uh went up weirdly from six to four. Smile currently on Paramount Plus, four to five. Pray for the devil. It sucked. Uh five to it six. Really did. The Banshees of Inishirin, which is looking um, at a possible Best Picture Oscar contender, oh, maintains yeah. position mm-hmm. number seven. One Piece dropped from two to eight, till eight to nine, Tar 13 to 10. Um, also debuting this weekend was The Fablemans, and nobody saw it. Absolutely nobody. The gross Probably, on well, I have a sneak suspicion we'll end up reviewing that next year when we start talking about uh, Oscar bait. Probably. Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just like, it's just, I'm looking at the gross for the weekend, $161,000. Good God. 
Uh, the UFC pay-per-view in the theaters earned 138. Of which I'm sure the fighters saw none. Yashoda debuted at number 20 at 137,000. Ball fight. Bearing your bats and your booms. Brooms. Um, debuted at number 37. Worldwide. <clears throat> Here's where we are. Maverick, Jurassic World. The only two movies currently to crack a billion dollars. Then we got Doctor Strange, Minion, Dude, Batman, Thor. If this, hang on, serious again, serious question about heads rolling. If this doesn't make a billion, and I don't think it will, for the record, I don't think it quite, I don't think it quite gets over that particular hurdle. Disney having the MCU having no movies that cross the billion dollar mark, where you've got Top Gun, Maverick, and Jurassic World on top of things, it's a bad look. Yeah, this was, it was confirmed. Spider Man No Way Home didn't cross a billion, right? Uh, that was all, yeah, it did, but that was last year. Okay, I was just talking about with phase talking about phase four. So, so phase four will have one movie that hit the billion dollar mark. Um, didn't No Way Home get close to two billion? I'd have to double check, but it could. Yeah, I wanted like it did like crazy numbers. Like, well, again, like it, everything it did was counted towards twenty twenty one because that's when it came out. Yeah, I, I did. Were you under the impression that that was counts for twenty twenty two, Alexis? I guess the way that uh, Robert phrased it, I thought they were talking about ha- not having a movie in Phase Four that crossed. I, I'm more talking. I, I misunderstood the okay, way no, you phrased I, it. I'm sorry. I was I was more talking about the year of twenty twenty two. Okay. But in the entire phase, only having one, that's still not great. Agreed. That you had to share your proceeds with Sony, by the way. And um, I mean, you've got Thor: Love and Thunder, which has to be an actual disappointment. Yeah, it couldn't beat the Batman from couldn't March. Couldn't beat the Minions. Go Minions! Uh, Watergate Bridge, Fantastic Beasts, Song of the Hedgehog, and Uncharted. Black Adams nipping at the top ten, nipping it ever so lightly. It's not going to get there. Three hundred fifty-two million, and Black Panther nipping at Black Adam at three hundred forty-two million. Oh, Here are all over- the movies. It'll overtake it very shortly. Here are all the movies currently doing better than Morbius. Elvis, <laughs> The Bad Guys, Bullet Train, Lightyear, Too Cool to Kill, Nice View, Smile, DC League of Super Pets, The Lost City, Nope, and Morbius. And here are a handful of movies that couldn't even beat Morbius, you shameful pieces of shit. I'm still really depressed that the black phone is lower than Morbius. It <laughs> really is. It didn't, by the same token, the black phone didn't need to be successful the way Morbius did. Uh, one piece of black phone tickets to paradise. The way to crawdad sing currently on, I think, Netflix now. Scream, Death on the Nile, and Halloween ends poorly. Um, as, Boy, I, movie. as I said, uh, this weekend we've got uh, she said and the menu. It's saying limited release and that it's a searchlight, but my theater has it in a bunch of different at a bunch of different show times, so I think we're going to be okay with that one. Um, and I think that's it. We've got on, um, okay. So the Fableman's, the issue there is that it's currently a limited release. It'll be in wide release on November 23rd, along with Walt Disney strange world. Uh, and that's about it. The 25th is nothing. I've been seeing a lot of ads for bones and all December 2nd. The big one is violent night, which we'll be reviewing. Heck yes. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Mark, uh, Mark, we need to get you more familiar with the subgenre that is violent Christmas films. Okay. Santa's sleigh. 
Darn right. Bloody night. Um, December. Christmas can not- sure scare the dickens out of you. December 9th um, is the whale, which people should well, go see. But, but I've uh, also- hearing, I, I've, the, tra- I, the trailer didn't reveal that much, but I have heard so much praise for this movie. Well, we're go not going to review it. Instead, we're going to review Guillermo. Brand- go see it because Brendan Fraser deserves all the things. But instead of reviewing that, we're going to review Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio because that's how we do. Stop motion uh, animation, baby. And then, Does that count as a TV party tonight or as a damn you Hollywood? Movies are movies are damn you Hollywood. That's how I'm designating things and have been okay. for quite some time. And then the last movie of the year that anyone's going to give a shit about, if that at all, is the three hours and ten minutes. Oh, for the Robert, love of Ro- Robert, Jesus can, Robert, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm I'm not even going to share my screen for this. I want I want us both on screen. Can I get a whoa? Fuck this movie. Three hours and ten minutes. Avatar: The Way of the Water. Whoa! Whoa. Fuck this movie. This movie. <laughs> Where were you on that? Why? One? There's no reason for that, James Give Cameron. It Give it to me. God, three hours for this piece of crap. Why? Give it to me. Say I'm it. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say, say it. This say is it. not. This is not anger me to the point where I'm going to profane. You just profaned. I didn't. You said shit. Ah, uh, fair enough. But I'm not gonna. All right, go let's do it one more that. time. One more time. Ready? Whoa! Oh, fuck this, this movie! movie. <laughs> <laughs> Over three hours. Three Who hours in the and world ten minutes. Thought this was a good idea. I am taking three elementary school age, well, two elementary school age children and a junior high student to this fucking thing. Whoa! Good luck. Enjoy the tech demonstration. It's not even going to look that much better than what we just saw. Like, here's my, hang on. Here's my issue with this very briefly. And we can revisit this when we talk about Avatar. I'm not saying that Avatar isn't going to look better than the underwater scenes we just saw in Wakanda Forever. It probably is. Better. The question is, does it look enough better to justify the, like, you're getting, you're getting this much difference in quality, right? for this much difference in budget and does anyone care at that point and that's that's the question we're gonna have to answer like that that movie is gonna answer that question no here's my question because it has often been said on the rattle and broadcasting network the paragon of film criticism and opinion <laughs> in the in the year of our lord 2022 that george lucas and uh, tim burton are probably film's greatest monsters has James Cameron beat them at this point? Has James Cameron no. overtaken George Lucas and no. Tim? Okay, George James Cameron is not overtaking them in craft. <laughs> he has overtaken them in not being able to keep his mouth shut. Because I don't think anyone has criticized the movie industry as a whole, especially superhero movies, as much as James Cameron. Yeah, I don't has. give a fuck about that. I give a fuck about the fact that he has no self-control and he's putting out a three hour and ten minute fantasy movie. Hang fuck on, hang on. James Cameron. Hang on, Mark. Here's why he yes, hasn't. How many good movies has George Lucas made? One, maybe. No, Empire Strikes Back. He didn't make that. He did not direct that. Okay, we're talking about ones he directed? directed zero not written not wrote directed i'm limiting this to directing okay zero the answer is zero again because if we talk writing yes he's he's had a hand in writing and storying out some very good movies fair enough 
He's not made a good movie. Like he didn't direct anything after Star Wars until uh, The Phantom Menace, if memory serves. Didn't right. he direct American Graffiti? That was before Star Wars. Oh, okay. American Graffiti gained prominence because it was like, hey, I use music in my movies, and no one had ever done that before. <laughs> not a joke. Right. Okay. First move, time that first your, movie was really scored. Move this point on. How many good movies has Tim Burton made? Probably. Ed Wood, Beetlejuice, Edward yeah, Scissorhands, we're Big good. Fish, nope, Sweeney we're good. Todd. You had it the first two. I'll give you two. Yeah, you had, you had the first. Beetlejuice and Ed Wood. We're done now. Okay, uh, you know what? If that's your argument, fine. I, I won't even give you Beetlejuice. I don't. I don't think. What, it okay, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, you cannot knock Edward Scissorhands. That's a great movie. Haven't don't. seen it. I don't care for Edward Scissorhands. I'll give. I will give you Ed Wood. I will give you Big Fish. Million percent. I'm not even going to give you Big Fish. It's fine. It's you're not weird. What about the Ed first Wood. Batman movie? Ugh. Okay. I, I can see that one. So again, we're, we're talking less than five. How many great movies has James Cameron made? Terminator. You mean Terminator Rise, Aliens. Yeah. All right. I'm just saying, I feel like you can go your whole life being the hero and then a three hour and 10 minute unnecessary <laughs> movie and suddenly you're the villain. Look, okay, again, three hours of this guy jerking off technologically. Yes, I'm not. I'm not calling him a hero. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm saying you don't get to call him cinema's greatest villain when he has contributed so much that is genuinely good. And with that bit of editorializing, here we go with uh, the critical review. Are you ready? People listening to this review are going, what the fuck are you people on about? We loved it. 95%, I believe that was my argument, that the normies love this movie. And the 95% audience score uh, bears truth to that. However, the critics, this started out in the 90s and dropped to 84. Uh, a point what? Hang on. Once this got away from all the shills. Yeah. But, and look, to be clear about this, like if I were to give this movie a pass-fail, like strictly pass-fail, it probably is a pass. Yeah. Like, Barely, but I think it is a pass. I'm, my okay. friend Jeff, who I don't know if we're going to find on this or not, um, on the four one one score, gave it a six out of ten, which is average according to that ratio, according to that rating system. Yeah. Ooh, Fablemans is sitting at ninety five. That looks good. Oh, uh, sorry, I was I just saw... pointing out in the corner there again. When we start talking Oscar buzz movies, yep. A poignant tribute to that satisfyingly moves the franchise forward. It doesn't. Black Panther will go to forever. Marks an ambitious and mostly rewarding triumph for the MCU. How is this ambitious? Well, hold on. Triumph might be too strong a word. I'll give Just it poignant it tribute. I will give it yeah. poignant tribute. Yeah, should have stopped the poignant. Again, I'll give you the tribute. It doesn't move it forward. I won't give you... Um, I'm not... like. There's nothing ambitious about this. And I'm not, and Triumph is way, is like, that's more than one bridge too far. All right. Jorge Rivera Rubio of Kimo, uh, two downer, two downer, man. 
for my taste, but it's a good film. Although editing and pacing a little bit off, especially around the second act, acting is top notch with Angela Bassett, the absolute and MVP full review in Spanish. Uh, you know what? I appreciate the fact that he categorized his it being a bit on the negative key. This is a minor key movie with it being about his taste rather than saying the film is too downer as a general rule. So uh, thank you, sir. I do appreciate that. Your your clarification there. Eric Childress uh, of Movie Madness Podcast put this in his Tinder profile. After a solid prologue, every single decision either misses an opportunity or pulls its punches, especially when given the chance to elevate its oh. female protagonist and gives all the dynamics to its new villains in an overlong but well-undercut sequel. I'm sorry. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say this, but all the, all the girls that would like that statement to have no interest in being with you. <laughs> Not a single one, Val. Pretty flat. much. Uh, I, I have to say this to people so many times about rest, about especially female wrestlers. If I criticize them, they don't care that you defend them and they won't have sex with you. <laughs> Nicholas Del Delgadio of Knotfest, which I assume is related to Slipknot, as a, as a heartbreaking Let's farewell hope. to both. As a heartbreaking farewell to Bozeman and his character, the film mostly succeeds, which is good because the rest is as frustratingly mess messy as the MCU has ever been. Absolutely <laughs> correct. Like yeah. when this mo when this movie is a serious kind of drama study about grief and loss, it works. When it has to be a Marvel movie, it falls apart. There's uh, some, there's a lot of truth in that. Michael Ward of Should I See It uh, thought this should be a much more funner movie. Perhaps one of the more melancholy superhero movies in the MCU's history. Almost like they Just were dealing with the tragic death of a human being. Listen, you're going to have to get your dead actors out of my fun movie, okay, fuckface? Okay? Uh, Susan Granger of SSG Syndicate. Oh, Excessive. <laughs> Excessive, yet impressive. And you must stay through the credits for a surprise or miss an oh. intriguing glimpse into the franchise's future that, that, that does not work okay i'm sorry i love the idea that they that the kid's name is t'challa but it's it's are they saying that this kid's gonna be the new black panther because he's six Probably. years old yeah he's gonna like age like cassie lang but don't, uh, you, quantum. don't you understand <laughs> when we do our next time skip this kid will be t'challa he will be the Black Panther. And don't you understand, he's a child prodigy. When he was in utero, he developed the tools necessary to perform his own cesarean section. <laughs> which is where we're going with these stupid child prodigies, by the way. Chris McCoy of Memphis. You stole that line from the drinker, you fucking hack. I did. Um, it's true. <laughs> I'm just calling you out. Get, get an original thought there, Bucky. Oh, Chris McCoy. please. I have, I've made that joke before about other things. Chris McCoy of Memphis Flyer. Kugler is the best director working in the comic book space. Apparently, no. you've never heard of James Gunn. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, no, that title goes to James Gunn. No question. I'm. Much as I enjoy James Gunn's movies, I think Kugler tends to make stuff that's more interesting than Gunn. So I, I understand the sentiment there, even if I don't agree with it. But Kugler's only made two comic book films. And if you rewatch Black Panther, the most interesting thing about it is actually the discussion of executive power, where it comes from. James and March of Deep Dive Movie Reviews of YouTube. <laughs> the intention is all there to address Bozeman's death and be respectful, but it goes overboard. 
the film spends yeah. far too much time mourning T'Challa and not enough exploring how moving forward impacts these characters. Dude, there's almost three hey, hours. Okay, one. I think there's some truth there. Again, we kind of talked about that. Here's a. I'm pretty sure there's at least an hour and a half of this movie where every ten minutes someone goes, "The king is dead." <laughs> like it gets overplayed. Hey, Robert Winfrey. Oh, we found him. Speaking of the king is dead, welcome back, Kevin Carr. Finally poked your head out of the trenches there, did you? A fat trenches, guy at the dumpster, movies. Tomato, tomato. Oh, he's going back hiding? in the dumpster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Face first, baby. Where you been hiding, Kevin? I don't know who I'm talking to. Where you been hiding, <laughs> Kevin Carr? It's not even a dumpster. It's not even a dumpster. Those are top of the line. This is a trash co waste disposal unit. That's all you get. That's my second you know Mr. I... Simpsons reference for the evening. <laughs> this movie serves as a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, as well as bringing the characters of Wakanda into a bigger, messier, more complex world. And Kevin Carr can see Russia from his house. You might as well be writing the blurb that goes on the back of the DVD case. Like, that's not a review. Black Robert Winfrey, Armin White of National Review says... Okay, hang on. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> what? Okay. Um... Has any other social group ever had its history diminish the comic book trivia and then encouraged to take that insult as a compliment? You know... I love you, Armin White. Never change. You are by far my favorite reviewer. You know what? That's just so salty, I have to applaud it. <laughs> I, I mean you know, that as a compliment. No, like, no, no, no. I got, I got you covered, baby. I genuinely appreciate that. <laughs> that got the full eight seconds. Wow. I want Armin White on this podcast. Um, he's, he's too good for us, but I, want, I, I need him. <laughs> Kyle Smith of the Wall Street Journal, top critic. After a spate of all of journalism. After a spate of manic superhero blockbusters that ricocheted, from one digital spectacle to another, this one takes its time with character and plot, but doesn't develop either to any satisfying degree. You're not wrong. Still, no, there's I'm plenty not. of digital spectacle, though. Also true. <sighs> um, I was say, this is what happens when we have to talk for over two hours. We all start yawning and falling asleep. <laughs> we're almost done. We're almost done. Dan Merle of Dan Merle Reviews. Done, hang on. We're going to be done before the movie would be. Like one of those, This is another time where we're going to have a lower runtime than the film. The future ex-Mr. Haina, Dan Merle of Dan Merle Reviews. A good Marvel film with great parts. More focus could have yielded a more powerful film. You what the utterly fuck? useless. What is wrong with your, ex, your future ex-husband there, Alexis? Explain it to me. Why do you think I would dignify this jackass by letting him take my last name? Well, he seems like your type. It seems, it seems like a review you'd like. Dan Merle, formerly of Screen Junkies, I think. Or currently, who knows? What a useless sack of crap. Yeah, it's like, that's <laughs> not a good review. That's that's parts of a review. That Those aren't, it's like, it's just like, it's a good movie with good parts. I'm like, are you five? Yeah. <laughs> you get paid to write this? 
Mark's eight-year-old son had a more coherent review in his crit criticism, and yet here you are. It's like, you want to talk son. about the good parts? Fine. Actually learn how to write a cohesive sentence. Josh Wilding of comicbookmovie.com. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, ranks among Marvel Studios' best movies. Oh, and it's an emotional... <laughs> And it's an emotional, uplifting tour de force of a blockbuster. Letitia Wright delivers a powerhouse performance while Angela Bassett's majestic work will leave you reeling. It's not even top five, bud. This man, if I may quote an insult directed at me on TikTok, this man gets no bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that to you? Oh, that's, that's some, fucking great. He did this rant that I, <laughs> yeah, I put one of my movie rants about... Um, it was, uh, it was it cheaper by the dozen remake. Yeah, that's so and he was just like fuck this movie and went off on it. And somebody commented because they blew him up on the screen. And he, somebody commented on my TikTok, "This man gets no bitches." <laughs> I wouldn't stop talking about that for the next month. Um, yeah, he, you yeah. did find that deeply amusing, Mark. I don't know why. Yeah, I need to keep that one. <laughs> I should, should have used that for the review earlier with the guy who was all no, about someone needs to drop empowerment. that in the chat one of these days. The next time somebody, I don't know, maybe makes a comment that Namor has tits instead of pecs, just be like, this man gets no bitches, and then mute the chat. Um, I, I, look, I'm just I'm just gonna say this about I said this about Namor's physique. Like that poor man, it changes a lot. They some of the some of the static shots where he kind of looks okay, like you can almost see the digital airbrushing. Because when he's in motion, he doesn't look like that anymore. Like it's it's pretty uneven. Uh, Jaina Moon. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be shirtless on that much for a movie, like you should probably have a better physique than I do. Just throwing it out there. This is the last one I'm gonna review, and it's a doozy. Um, oh Jaina Monji of Age of the Geek. Is black supremacy better, Robert Winfrey, than white supremacy? If you and let me ask you college, this: If you listen to the collegiate academics, yes. And then there's a bit of worrisome cultural appropriation and questionable ascension issues. This man gets Fucking no bitches. SJW, <laughs> get this woman off the freaking hey, 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 hey. Okay, look. <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to this kind of stuff, a friend of this show and many others, Benjamin J. Cologne, has a thing he says about white supremacists. That sooner or later everyone fails the purity test because what it means to be white has actually been a very ambiguous sentiment over the years. And he's he's entirely correct. White mm -hmm. supremacy or any sort of ethnic supremacy or superiority is utterly bankrupt morally, philosophically, ethically, and however else you want to phrase it. It's terrible, it's stupid. Don't do it. Move on. The same is true of the ideology of the left. Like when you get especially like the more extreme you get you start being forced to adopt these ridiculous positions. And if you deviate in any, in even the slightest bit, you fail the purity test, ultimately leading to idiots like this going with stupid navel gazing think pieces about cultural appropriation in black Panther, Wakanda forever. This is what we're doing to ourselves. We deserve every negative thing that is coming. And might I add, yet again, as I've been saying for at least 20 years now, this is why the Chinese are going to win. And with that, that is our review of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, Dave, you were just on our Rings of Power review last night, mm -hmm. and then I think you're coming back for Avatar The Way of Three Hours, yes? Uh, yeah, that, The Crown, and uh, Andor, whenever that is. Yes. Okay, cool. 
Uh, Alexis Hanna, the VP of Television Reviews. What do you got? Go- what do you got cooking, Toots? All right. Next week, uh, our guest uh, Zachary Strobel, who came on for uh, discussing the live-action Pinocchio movie, uh, is co- <laughs> yeah. That's- <laughs> hey, that's my son's favorite review we've done this year. That has like 165 YouTube views, and I'm pretty sure a hundred of them are him. No, no, no. That that oof is about the movie, not the review. <laughs> anyway, uh, he. I, I guess the uh, theory about the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network <laughs> being a black hole is correct because he's agreed to come back, and we're going to talk about you, you uh, fucking idiot, you, 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 you toaster oven. It's you not a black a chance hole. to escape. It's a cult, cult. No. Okay, black. this is a cult. No, no, no. Get it right. Hang on. It was a cult when you were on every show. <laughs> <laughs> This show had I nothing have, to do with you. You weren't there. I have no, high you weren't priestesses there. now of the cult. I don't no, have to be on every show. That's not how cults <laughs> work. You, Your presence must be felt for it to be a oh, cult. Oh, you're feeling my presence. <laughs> it's a black hole. The gravitational pull is too strong. Once you get it's here, a you fucking cult. Let me have this. No. No, now <laughs> because I said let me have it, you won't. <laughs> it's it might Again, it might have started as a cult. But now that now that other shows not featuring you are having the same effect when you were here as when you are not there, we can discount you and the cult from the equation. I feel like my cultish powers spread. My my cultishness grew into Alexis and spread out from her. Okay, so my how- sociology professor would have a field day with you. <laughs> Okay, not well, wrong <laughs> well mark if that were true then wouldn't my mma podcast not you know still actually have people attached to it you fucking took it to 411 which is an actual black hole what do you got like <laughs> one working site now and you uh there's more than me that just works there i'm the only one who works in the mma zone i said you have i meant zone you have like one working zone and you uh there's two zones okay Wrestling and movies, TV, both work. All right, we we have now mansplained all over Alexis's face. So let her continue. That's not mansplaining. That's got that's you guys getting distracted. <laughs> all right, so yes, uh, Zachary will be coming back. We are going to be discussing the wonderful seasons of Mickey Mouse. This is the four specials that aired on Disney Plus: uh, the Wonderful Winter, uh, Spring, Summer, and the Wonderful Fall. Or wonderful autumn of mickey mouse which will be airing on november 18th so uh it was going to be on tuesday we have switched it to this coming monday uh we will be discussing all four of those seasonal specials just in time for mother nature to decide you know what screw fall you guys have had it enough here's a big snowy fist (laughs) other than that uh next week i will be guesting on our review of the menu looking forward to that um Looks like I will probably be bringing in a guest with me, our reigning Halloween trivia champion, Dorian Price, local filmmaker and horror expert, uh, has asked to come on and join us for that. So Does he know we do video now? Does hmm? he have working technology? Does he know yes. we do video and does he have working technology or is he going to be fucking yes, showing yes, up? Yes, yes, I made sure. Are you kidding me? Okay. I made him watch my Werewolf by Night video. Okay, fantastic. I like tied him to the bed and forced him to watch it with the eye things from. Nobody's interested in your fucking sex life. Just move this on. Coming from (laughs) my sex life gets a lot kinkier (laughs) than that. Ooh, now I am interested. (laughs) Good night, everyone. (laughs) Just say you got to be real careful playing back at Mark with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. 
Okay, I actually can't even remember what I have after that. You sell jewelry and paint houses. Well, I didn't know if I was done promoting you and selling my soul to you, Mr. Radulich. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so yes, when I am not shelling for this hack, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic, we are starting our Black Friday sale soon. We have a ton of stuff. Everything in both Etsy and Handmade at Amazon will be 20% off. And for every order placed between Black Friday and Christmas Eve, we will be donating $5 uh, per order to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and under duress Twitter. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. This past weekend, we re-aired the DMU Hollywood for Jason Bourne that uh, Robert and I did a few years back, and then the Long Road to Ruin, and the Long Road to Ruin for the Jason Bourne trilogy. That's all the ones not starring Jeremy Renner. Um, and we did that was myself, Sean Comer, and Andrew Graham. Um, or you put up the page for the Mystic Prophecy Uncovered Treasures review that we did a few years ago. The aforementioned Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, where I think Dave and I spent just as much time talking about the second-degree criticism of the show than we did the show itself. Tomorrow, oh, something to talk about. The show yeah. itself is painfully boring, uninteresting, and... Tomorrow, uh, um, I had to reschedule this show because last week I was on a date where someone cooked for me. Um, so we are doing it tomorrow at noon. Ooh. Myself and Jason Teasley. We're going to be looking at Grindhouse, um, which is Death Proof and Planet Terror. And the fake trailer that got turned into a real movie, Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, starring Rutger Hauer. That's what a at shame. Noon. That was one of his last movies. <laughs> and then in the evening, uh, we are continuing our trek from the corner to the deuce, the great works of David <laughs> Simon. This time, right. Jesse and I will be discussing The Wire Season 4. Um, then in other words, Thursday, where it all fell apart. Yep, the worst season of the best show in the history of television. Um, um, hang on, is that accurate? Yes. Five that I, thought, hang on, I, can, I can't remember if it's four or five that I think is worse. No, four is absolutely the dirt worst. Um, four is the schools? Is, yep. No, five's worse. No, five is so much better than four. McNulty's fake serial killer is a giant sink of time. At least there was a fucking case that they were discussing in that one, as opposed to maybe, maybe not find the dead bodies. So, anyway. ending the podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to. Like, we've been um, here long enough. I want to go. And so, another thing about Captain America Shield um, myself and my old boss, Adrian Wagner, are going to be doing the new Michael Pollan four part documentary on psychedelics and mental health, assuming she doesn't cancel a third time. Uh, that is how to change your mind. But if she does, then we won't be doing it, and I'm not going to reschedule it. However, a man who never cancels on me, except for when he does, Andrew Graham, uh, and I will be doing our uh, Better Late Than Never Veterans Day special. We'll be doing a triple feature of Full Metal Jacket, The Outpost, and Hamburger Hill. And then, hey, Robert. Great movies and one okay movie. Remember when we used to have fun on this network, Robert? Remember when oh, we used no. to do fun things on this network? You weren't there. Remember when we used to do fun <laughs> things on this network? When we right. had Alan Moore month for just no apparent reason? We just did it? Yeah, I remember you doing that. Well, we've already aired one of them earlier this season, earlier this year when I was in the Dominican Republic. But the last three will air this weekend coming up. Um, Watchmen, where we compared the book to the movie. Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And From Hell. And those are all going to be re-aired uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So look for that next week. 
we've got uh, uh, Jesse's dropping a source material for the Garbage Pail Kids Origins comic. <laughs> for some reason. Um, and then we've got a review of Menu. Hey, Robert, remember when we reviewed Moana? Remember? Vaguely. Well, we're going to re-air that. All and then right. it's Thanksgiving. Um, we've got uh, Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, The Wizard of Oz, which I think you did with Sean Comer a few years back. Uh, we so. have our we have our, one of it's our annual. Bad. I can't remember which. We got one of our annual turkey shows from the Metal Hammer of Doom of years ago, where we reviewed Anthrax Stomp Four Four Two, and then one of the shows where I fucked off and Jesse took over, and I wasn't paying attention to what they were doing. Uh, is a re-airing of Scar Symmetry, the Singularity Phase One, Neo Humanity, uh, and that'll air on the twenty seventh, and that is enough for now. Robert, take me home, baby doll. All right, I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts action over at forward1mania.com, the aforementioned black hole that Mark decided to bring, cult. bring up. No, 411 is not a cult. <laughs> oh, no, form, no, 411 is definitely not a cult. I'm a cult. You're not a cult. You're a person. You don't even have a cult. <laughs> I will not send you money. Uh, I cover AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. And apparently my gag about listing squash matches by different types of squash is weighing out its welcome. So I'll have to come up with something new for that. Uh, MLW stuff on Thursday. They're back to airing content, so yay for them. <clears throat> Can put it up there. doesn't make it true. And nope. WWE SmackDown on. You really want to go back through your history of putting things on the screen and debate whether or not they're true? Not at the moment. Because there's some stuff you've put up there. <laughs> uh, WWE SmackDown on Friday, so tune in for any and all of that if you're so inclined. Last week was UFC 281, which got a bit of a shout-out here because it was in theaters. So my full review of event, which was a pretty darn good event, actually, from top to bottom, uh, is in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. If you want a full review in another format, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sunday evenings. This week was a review of UFC 281 and a preview of the upcoming UFC on ESPN Plus 73. It's a crap card headlined by Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. Ooh, Hot Balls is fighting Hot Dog. You mean the man who's one and four in his last five fights has been brutally knocked out in his last two? Yeah. Yeah, Hot Balls. You know he lied about that, right? That his balls was hot? Yeah, they weren't actually hot. Can't trust nothing in this world. It's a joke. He made he made a funny tech. He made a funny video that was his like apology and confession. I, I apologize to all my fans out there, but you know I, I lied and I, I know I've disappointed you all. I told Joe Rogan my balls was hot. I, I, I wasn't telling the truth. Terrific. Anything else? He's a funny guy. So full preview of that for whatever it's worth, and I'll be covering it on Saturday. Then back here next week for the menu or whatever else we wind up doing because weirdness. So be on the lookout for that. We'll be back here. All right. Not since the Northmen have we done a three-hour podcast, so this was fun. Uh, all told, well, well, well spoken, folks. And then thank you for those of you who tuned in live to our uh, in our audience. We appreciate you as always. For those of you that commented, we appreciate you even more. For Robert Winfrey, for Alexis Haina, for David Wright. This is the Rod Legend Broadcasting Cult, and I am your cult master, Mr. Mark Radledge, the mandated reporter. Be well. Not be a safe. cult. Fuck you. Behave. <laughs> <laughs>